What's up, Blues fans? Welcome back to Talking Blue Notes. We are on episode five, brother. Joe, we got a big one today. We're actually talking Blue Notes. We're actually doing a Blues review today and getting ready for the season. What's happening, bud? We excited? What's going on? Did you hear that noise to start the podcast? Boy, is it time, and I am so ready for this season to start. Saturday, baby. We are so close. When you guys are hopefully listening to this, we are one day away. It's going to be great to hear that horn and that song. What is it? The Urge, right? Who does the song? Uh, it's going to be great to hear that again. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, well, we'll get to it in a little bit, but uh, I've, I've made my uh, Enterprise Center debut already this year and uh, heard that song a couple times. Preseason, like we said before, doesn't really matter, but uh, I'm excited to get back to Enterprise Center for the regular season and really hear that song going again. 1,000%. Uh, before we get into everything, first of all, I want to thank everyone for listening and giving us feedback on our Eastern and Western Conference predictions. Those shows ran a little long. They're a little long in the tooth. <laughs> But it's okay. It's all right. Everyone knows our picks now. And, um, you know, the season started on Tuesday, and what a, what a week it's been already. It's been, it's been absolutely incredible. But um, let's run through some stuff that's been going on in the last couple of weeks. Why don't you lead us off with uh, some, uh, some baseball news that we had in St. Louis. All right. So, uh, yeah, we had some big news uh, as the Cardinals finally made it into the playoffs. Playoffs started. And that was very short-lived. Uh, Cardinals close out their season, losing to the Phillies Friday and Saturday at Bush. Uh, it was Pujols and Molina's official last games as MLB players and as Cardinals. Uh, they hang up their illustrious careers, and while both of them got clutch hits in their final at-bats, especially Molina's down to the very last out. That was insane. I was... Jumping off my couch watching that. Um, but unfortunately, I forget who was up to bat after him. Uh, just hit a nice blooper fly out, and that was the end of that. They both they both did, uh, when they got on base, they both did get subbed out for um, pinch runners. So that was really cool, like, that they got, like, a, you know, nothing was really going on. They got, like, their nice, like, everybody knew this was it. Like, this game. Nice and little walk-off moment or whatever, yeah. Yeah, big, big little ovation for them. Uh, one thing I gotta ask. Uh, go ahead. No, I was gonna ask what you were gonna ask. I think so. Go ahead. Okay, I'll go ahead and ask it. Pools and Molina did their jobs. They're old guys. They're retiring. They're hanging it up. The guys who aren't hanging it up, who 
had the stellar year, did everything that they were supposed to be right during the year. Goldie and Arenado, what the hell is up with them? They stunk the joint up, dude. They were not good at all. I think I heard something uh, during the broadcast that, like, which doesn't really make sense, but, like, between the two of them in the two games, it was like they were one for 15. Maybe that does add up right. But, like, that's terrible. Uh, it's not good. It's, it's <laughs> definitely not good. I mean, I don't, dude, I don't know baseball that much, but I know, I know watching the games that I was just like, these guys are. And Arenado hasn't, you know, he finally gets his division crown. You know, finally gets to get into the playoffs with the Cardinals, like for real this time, and with such a good story being built up behind it with Pujols, Molina, and the Wainwright thing, to have them just basically not show up, I, I I can't do what they were doing. I couldn't do it. But what the fuck are they doing? Like they can't do it. They couldn't perform. And this was one of the first years in in quite some time where I was actually like kind of looking forward to watching some October Cardinals play. Because most of the time, I'm like, all right, you know, Cardinals, they're doing their thing, whatever. We're so used to it. We're so spoiled with the Cardinals that, like, we know that they're going to go pretty deep in the playoffs most of the time. But this was one of the first times where I'm like, okay, I, I really want to watch this. You know, Pools and Molina, and that this is exciting. But now that it's over, I'm glad it's, over. it's the official start of hockey season, baby. Hell yes. Hell yes. Uh, so that playoffs come and go for the play or for the Cardinals. Speaking of coming, though, guess who's coming? Do you know who's coming? If I'm being totally honest, I cannot stop thinking about them coming. I've tried hundreds of different ways to make them come. Every night, I pray for them to come. My husband and I would love to watch them come. If they come, I'm getting hammered. We would do anything to make them come. That's right, honey anything if they come i'm gonna explode could you imagine all three of them coming that'd be sick if they're gonna come i better start stretching wait until i tell my grandkids they're coming <gasps> oh they're gonna come guys they're gonna come they're gonna come they're coming they're finally coming i ain't that cool a little fucked in the head they'll be hanging me quick when i'm back from the dead get the rope get the rope Yeah, and basically, I mean, we're uh, can you can you be any more excited and any more entertained by a band than Blink One Eighty Two? I mean, that commercial right there is it. Like that, I mean, that commercial you sent it to me today in the text chain, and I'm like, oh my god, dude, these guys are they're so back. Travis, Mark, and I've done everything I can to get them to come. (laughs) (laughs) I would do anything to make them come. So yeah, that's that's some pretty big news. Uh, you know, we're the same age. Uh, well, I think you're a hair older than me, but 29, 30 years old, and appreciate that. <laughs> you got more hair than me, buddy. So that's okay. Anyway, uh, you know, Blink One Eighty Two. Think what you will, but they were like a huge part of people our age growing up. Like so many bangers. Uh, you know, those albums you'll never forget. Uh, Tom DeLong is, you know, I don't even remember He's the other. Out of the Asylum and finally back with them, searching for aliens and shit. 
the other guy, I don't even remember the dude's name that took his place for all those years while he was out searching for the aliens and shit, but like, Tom DeLonge is essential to Blink-182. You got Tom DeLonge, Travis Barker, and whatever the other dude's name is, Matt or something. Mark Hopus, dude. <laughs> whatever. Whatever. Nobody cares about him. Nobody cares about him. But it's it's <laughs> just like I saw that video. I saw Tom DeLonge was coming back, and I just my inner like middle school like little shithead kid insides just came right back to life. Like I was so excited. I jammed to Blink and uh, like Green Day and some of those other bands like that era all day that day. I could probably, I couldn't tell you how many times I probably got over the pants hand jobs to Blink-182 songs in the background. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was just, I mean, that was like, it, the summer of 2005 was just nuts with that, with their self-titled album. It had like Feeling This, a bunch of other songs on there. It was really good. And uh, what was the other one? The really popular one. What was it called? Uh, I Miss You. That was, I mean, that was. Oh, yeah. Rock Show was, was just, on that one, I think. I think so, but just them touring again. And by the way, I don't know if you've seen, I think the closest city they're playing in is either Nashville or Chicago to here. Tickets are 395 bucks. That's the cheapest one. Are they really? Oh my God. So that's probably also going to be another big ticket item along with them announcing Tom DeLonge and their own tour. They announced a big festival and i'm not a festival guy in the slightest i've never been to a festival never really had the urge to go to one but this one has my eye opening it's called the when we were young tour and i think like there were some rumors about this last year and like you know everybody was like is this real or is it fake Yada yada. Now we have it official from like all these bands. Like some forty, if some forty one part of that, some forty one is part of this. I want to go right there. Like that, that's enough. For and me. That's what I'm saying. Like this is okay. So the date of it is October twenty first of twenty twenty three. So we got just a little over a year until this happens. It's in Vegas, right? For the plane tickets, yeah. You're you're going to Vegas if you want to go see this. Which I mean, you can't ask for a better town to have a festival in. Let me just read off a handful of these names that are going to be a part of this festival. Green Day and Blink-182 are your big headliners. Then you have bands like 30 Seconds to Mars, The Offspring, Good Charlotte, All Time Low, Rise Against, Yellow Card, Sum 41, Simple Plan, New Found Glory, Goldfinger. I mean, dude, the list just goes on. There's so many good bands that are going to be here. That is a ridiculous lineup. I really want to go now. Because, I mean, I, Simple Plan just brings back memories of 7th grade. Some 41, I still listen to them all the time. And I, I'm not the biggest fan of, like, All Time Low. That's a little bit newer, I feel like. But yeah, yeah. if you added a couple bands like a Silverstein in there, or if you tossed in a little bit of, like, maybe Coheed and Cambria, it would be that much better. But still an all-star lineup. Yeah, I mean, it's just something really exciting. Like, that, you know, there's there's a handful of other, like Bowling for Soups, another name that's on there. There's a handful you know, of other, like, you know, good guys. Like, right, right. That maybe had, like, one big hit. But, like, you know, like, I, and I don't really know how, like, festivals work out. Like, are all these bands playing at the same time? Like, how does how are they going to fit all their hits on? And, like, are you going to be hearing multiple bands at the same time? Like, that'd be so weird. But... 
I don't know. I, I don't know how they work out, but this one really has my eye open. I probably won't go, but it, it, the thought of it is cool. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna. They really should just rename it to "You Know You're Old" when you go to see these bands. The, the <laughs> right, "You Know right. You're Old" fest. So yeah, I mean, it's 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 gonna be ridiculous though. Um, all right, so we got a couple more topics to hit on uh, before we get into the blues talk. For one, uh, we have we're gonna make this show part of like we're gonna be boosting up Lindenwood University's D1 hockey team, and they had another really big weekend um against uh i mean they didn't win but you know spoiler alert uh but they played the university of michigan this past weekend uh probably one of the most prestigious programs in the country and i know you put some notes in here to kind of go over what you know how the weekend went yeah so they're now 0-4 which i mean come on they're a brand new d1 team they've been d2 forever and you know finally stepping up to the big leagues uh friday and saturday they you know, played number seven Michigan. So let, let's just get that straight. Their first four games were against ranked teams, the number two team in Minnesota and the number seven team in, in Michigan. Like, that's a tough task to be welcomed go, go, to the D1. Going through a fucking grinder, like right off the bat, like getting introduced to D1 the hard way. Yeah, 100%. But finally, we get a little bit of relief, hopefully, uh, this coming weekend, Friday and Saturday. Um, they will be taking on the Air Force Falcons. Now, as a former Navy guy, I really hope Lindenwood just pounds pounds them into the ground. But um, it's going to be really cool because they're actually, like, if people want to go check the game out this weekend, the two games they play, uh, they will be playing at Centene over in Maryland Heights. So if anybody wants to go check them, yeah. Yeah. So they play where the blues practice. They have their own rink. So there's three right. rinks at Centene. They have uh basically they're they're I'm I won't go over the names, but there's like a there's two full size NHL rinks and then they have uh the U, they call it the USA arena, which is like it's Lindenwood's home, you know, rink and it's ridiculous. Like the seats, like it's it's set up like a little mini NHL arena. It's probably bigger than fucking Arizona plays it. It's probably bigger than ASU. I don't know. I, I I don't know, but it's it. We've gotten to play on it a few times. Whenever I played men's league up there, and it's actually a really, really good sheet of ice and really good place. So, and we've seen some games going on there. The crowd's pretty electric. Like people take yeah. what they're pretty serious. So um, now, what can, what do you? Yeah, what do you think? Um, like ticket prices to something like that are because I I think like I'm free tomorrow. Well, tonight when you guys are listening to this, I was like thinking about possibly going. I don't know what they cost. I'd never really looked that up, to be honest. Yeah, but I, I mean, I'm guessing somewhere between like twenty and thirty bucks, which isn't bad. You go see, so yeah, some like, yeah, it's it's like a local, you know, local team. No, nobody's, you know, they're not going to be selling out the place probably. And so, like, yeah, I mean, the tickets probably aren't that expensive. It'd be a fun like little Friday night thing. Take your young kids to go. Like, if if you can't really afford to. Take your kids to or the family to blues games all the time because those are expensive tickets. Take them to the local rink. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, if you guys have some have some free time this weekend and you want to get away and uh, go see some good local hockey and some good, you know, again, like they're they're it's their first year in D one. Like give them a chance, and you know they're going to start getting good recruits. It's going to get better and better by the year. So um, it's kind of cool that we get all these really prestigious schools coming in through St. Louis. So that's pretty big news. Um, so get into our NFL picks as well. Uh, we did make our picks 
Um, for last week, we did win our pit, so we went. We're one and one now, each of us. Um, one and one. So week five, let's just recap that real quick. You had the Jets winner. I had the Eagles. Dolphins. They pounded the Dolphins, and your Eagles are undefeated still. Five and zero, oh, baby. Yep. Fly Eagles, fly. Now week six. Um, we'll just make this really quick. I, I'll I'll say it right now. I'm picking the Browns to win this week. And they are playing. Do you know off the top of your head? I'm looking it up right now because I don't really use. I usually don't have the. Uh, oh, they're playing the Patriots. That's why the Patriots stink. They're absolutely awful. I think they found out finally that the the missing ingredient is Tom Brady, and it's not Bill Belichick. So I'm going with the Browns to take out the Patriots at home this week. I will pick the Browns yeah. until if Deshaun Watson was playing, I wouldn't pick him. I, I'm not for that guy, but. Since he's not playing right now, and they're going with Jacoby Brissett, taking the Browns. Who do you got? I'm going a little strategy here. I'm, and you know, like we said at the beginning of all this, once you pick a team, you can't pick them again. So you can go easy early, but that might screw you in the long run. But that's the strategy I'm going with. Uh, so I'm going with uh, the Niners over the Falcons this week. The Falcons freaking stink. The Niners are pretty good, so uh, that should hopefully uh, get the lead early. Oh, yeah, the Niners are a wagon, man. I mean, they pounded the Rams. Like, And everyone thought the Rams were, like, you know, going to be a repeat team, and it's just not happening. So I, I, I like that pick. That's pretty good. Uh, so hopefully we'll both be 2-1 and one after this week. Actually, you know what? I hope I'm 2-1 and one and you're 1-2. and two. I take that back. Um, <laughs> all right, so I know last episode, if you stuck around, we were talking about a new segment that we were going to do, and we are going to do that right now. Kind of something... So everyone out there kind of does their, their their Mount Rushmores and their top fives and their tier lists and all this other stuff. So we're like, we could do this and we can put a little local touch on it or we could do it about anything. So we're going to do that right now and we're calling it our Hall of Fame segment. And we're going to, it could be as many picks as we want, right? We kind of said, you know, we're going to do the Hall of Fame of... It's probably going to be about three, but but we can definitely, some topics may need more than three. Yeah, so we'll like today we're going to be doing the Hall of Fame of St. Louis restaurants. So that's going to be huge. I think we're going to get some good little chit chatter coming out of this. You know, some good debate going. Going to try to make a graphic and try to get people going and you know see who we picked and see who wins and who agrees and all that. So with that being said, I think we each did three for these, and I I actually had like an honorable mention or I called it a second ballot. You know, maybe we'll get in on the next try. So Second ballot, nice. Yeah. And so what are we what are we thinking? Do we want to each give our list of three or do we want to go back and forth? I put mine in I put um, mine in an order also. Let's let's go back and forth, starting with three, then working our way to one. I like that. I really like that. Okay, so and since we're doing that, I will let you go first. Who is your first inductee into the St. Louis Restaurant Hall of Fame, Joe? St. Louis Restaurant Hall of Fame on the Talking Blue Notes podcast, number three spot. It's a place that I've only been to once, so take this for what you will. But it left a lasting impression. That's it. The one time I went, it left a lasting impression. I will be back. It's not the cheapest place in the world, and you're going to find that out with me. I don't have the cheapest taste in the world. Uh, we're going with no-no. 
Noto. Now, what kind of where? For one, we got to let people know where is this? Like, what part of St. Louis is it in, and what kind of food are we talking about? Okay, so Noto is out in St. Charles County. Um, it is roughly it's off of Highway 94, across from where the Gold's Gym used to be in uh, St. Charles County, off 94. Um, it's kind of hidden away. They so the owners used to own like a chocolate shop. Or it was the same family or something. It went by the same name, Noto. It was like a chocolate shop and like a sweets shop in Main Street of St. Charles. And then um, I, I think this restaurant's been around for less than 10 years. Um, but they are now like a very, very nice Italian restaurant. It is like all of your famous like Italian pasta dishes, all homemade. They have like Sicilian style pizza with their own brick oven in there. You go get a Negroni if if you're Italian, you know what that is. It's a it's a very hard liquor drink. It's uh yeah, you go get a Negroni there. You go get an espresso martini. That's my favorite starter of the night drink. You're um, an espresso martini guy. Oh, dude, I I if I'm going out for the night and not just to some hole in the wall bar. If I'm going out for the night, I want to start the night with an espresso martini. It just gets you going. That's the best drink. But enough about that. Noto is just top-notch. The service is great. The food is wonderful. The pizza, oh, so good. And uh, great, great date night spot. Great ambiance. Everything. Okay, I like that. That's We're starting it off hot. I love that. I'm going to go with my first pick. I'm doing a, an Italian joint as well, and but these. So I'll, I feel like, so we live in two different spots, right? You're out in St. Charles, I'm out in the city, so we're about 30 yeah. miles apart. And I think most of mine are going to be on my side of the river, and I think I'm guessing that most of yours are going to be on that side. We'll see. Okay, we'll see. So the first one I have is uh, the Canetto House of Pasta, which is on the hill, legendary spot. Now oh, I'm going to be. I'll be I'll be honest. You could go anywhere on the hill in St. Louis and get a nice Italian meal. Um, it's pretty. You're nitpicking if you're trying to figure out, which I pretty much had to do for this. Because if I'm going out on a date, I'm like, let's go to the hill. Like it's a great date night spot. It's great. But Canetto's is just it's unreal. It by far for one, they're known for the like the best toasted raviolis. Which, by the way, I mean, it's it's a St. Louis staple. You have to get toasted ravioli when you're here. If you don't like toasted ravioli, I don't like you. And claim the to be is, the inventors of the toasted ravs. So it, yeah, they claim. So St. Louis claims it, and this place called Mama's on the Hill also uh, claims that they were the first ones to do it. But I can tell you right now, it, <laughs> I believe Canetto's did it because the way they cover it in the little Parmigiano cheese. And they're like, you got, you can't get those big like Monsanto, and you know what I'm talking about, like the big ones are like as big as your hand. These ones are like little <laughs> bite-sized ones. You know, you get the, all the meat, all the cheese, you dip it in a little marinara, and it's just, oh, it's to die for. And then, you know, a little bit of like that low light, like ambiance going on in there. Great atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. They're always playing like the old style Italian music. Uh, the bar is like top notch. Yeah, it's just absolutely unreal. This place does not miss. So if you're wanting to take your lady out somewhere in St. Louis, possibly before a Blues game, take her to the hill. Well, I don't know. You might fall asleep after the meal. But Canetto House of Pasta, <laughs> Canetto House of Pasta is just A1. That would be my, my first selection going into the Hall of Fame for St. Louis. So go on to number two. 
right. And uh, on the T-Ravs, dude, uh, I bet the small toast Ravs are great. And little side note, that's that was my nickname growing up was T-Ravs Travers. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, my number two, uh, we are leaving the St. Charles County. I'm going your way. We're going to 40 and Shoto um, to a small restaurant that's like it's part of like a trio of restaurants i i forget the other two names it is called hamilton's hamilton's steakhouse you know hamilton's yes so yes i won't i won't won't interrupt too much but it's hamilton's and there's a pizza joint and then there's vindicet a little french place right up there yeah it's a french place yeah yeah but go ahead with Hamilton's. All all right so hamilton's it's it's like a bourbon bar and steakhouse uh I'm not the biggest fan of bourbon. It's it, I'm I'm a little wuss when it comes to the hard alcohol. Um, but like every time I go there, I I do say like I'm gonna try a a different kind of bourbon just to see if I can get something going. I want to be a bourbon drinker. That's the cool thing, man. But I just can't get it going. Um, like the they have a little bar. Do. do what? Like the adult thing to do. I feel like like yeah, hundred like percent. Once you get in your thirties, it's like okay, I'm a bourbon guy now. Yeah, and 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 same thing with red wine. I'm a red wine guy now, like so. I I got myself to like that. Now let's get into the bourbon. Let's be a man. Um, so inside Hamilton's, they got like a little bar that like I see people all the time like go in and just sit down and like order a quick little bite, like maybe before they're going to a Blues game or something. Uh, it's not far from Enterprise Center, and then get a quick bite and like get a couple drinks and go. But this is like a, you need a reservation to get in here. Same with Noto, same with my number one pick. You need a reservation to get in here because it's not, there's not a ton of tables. The, this is the best service that, of my three picks, this place has the best service. The, the wait staff is incredible. They have, um, what do they call those, uh, wine people, uh, you know what Dude, I'm talking about? I don't, they no, have I don't, like know, I don't know sophisticated stuff. Oh, there's like a name for the wine people at like all these fancy restaurants. I can't think of it right now. They have like that guy. Uh, is that the right word? It, it's something like that. It's not a connoisseur. A connoisseur is somebody that just like engulfs things, takes things in. But like, yeah, it's something like that. Um, it's just top notch service and the steak. The food is incredible. My, I love the steaks there. The thing that got my eye to go there the first time and that I will order every single time I go there is their charcuterie board as an appetizer. It is the best thing to share between either just you and your date or your group that you're with there at the table. The best part about it is they have this candle that's on it. (laughs) And this thing is not just your ordinary little ambiance candle. This is a bacon fat candle. You oh dip <laughs> meats, cheeses, and breads into it. It's, it's the best oh. thing in the world. It's the best food item that I think I've ever had. How is that not your number one? Like, how is that not like your like number one top tier pick just with that candle? And I, I gotta say, my one and two, I went back and forth on so much. I love that. Now, I gotta try this now. I mean, that's close to my house. And like, again, that's a, that 40 and Shoto is like five minute drive to enterprise if that so yeah, I mean, it's not far a, at all that'd be another great like even like a post drink spot you know like after the game yeah. when you head over to 
head over to Hamilton's. I like that. I have to try it now. I, I've seen it a bunch because I've been to Vindicet a couple times, which is incredible. I thought about putting that on my list as well, but now I have to. You've convinced me. I just want the bacon fat can. I want to buy. Can you buy them like by themselves? Not that I know of, but man, it, it's 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 a must. It's a must unless you're vegan. And then still, you got to try it. <laughs> try a new podcast. Um, all right. So <laughs> my number two, and this was tough because I'm a huge burger guy. I'm, I love burgers, but it's so I, it, it was just hard to get over my number one. But number two, I have High Point High Burger point. Joint. High Point is. It's absolutely classic. Again, this is another city place. It's in. Uh, it's actually like, so in St. Louis, you have Maplewood, Brentwood, and Dogtown are pretty much all like right next to each other, or Richmond Heights, basically. Um, right off of 40 and McCausland, if you make a left, it's right there. And I mean, oh my God, Joe, have you been there? Yeah, it's like a great spot. Like if you're going to the zoo or you're just going downtown for anything, it's a great spot to hit up on your way home. It's amazing. It's amazing. So, like, it's the same owners that own Sugar Fire Barbecue, which is really big in this. Like, they have one out in Winsville. They have one out here. They're everywhere out here. And they own High Point. And they do, like, so, da- no, go ahead. So, I live off Mid Rivers in St. Charles County. They're building a High Point in Cottleville. Oh, my. Yep. You got like, I mean, it. That for me. Yep. We're expanding. We're expanding. That's what I'm talking about. So they they do this thing, and uh, Sugar Fire does the same thing as well. So like daily, they have like these specials, like where they'll do like a cert, like a specialty type of barbecue. Well, they do specialty burgers here. Like I know one that I, just, I mean, it's an absolute artery clogger. It's called the the Taste of St. Louis, which is like Provel cheese on double or double or triple meat patties with T ravs and like marinara sauce. And it is just phenomenal. Now, it, if you're not into that kind of stuff, the specialty stuff, just go there and get a double, like a double meat, and then get you know any kind of cheese you want. But make sure you get the fries. That is the number one selling point. Fries are fire. I mean, they're some of the best fries I've ever had. It's pretty tough to find a bad fry. Well, you know what? I'll no fries are hard. Like you can fuck up fries pretty easily. Yeah. But like they do. This like Parmesan seasoning and like, oh, oh my God, it's just, it's unreal. High Point is just, it's an instant classic. It's a burger staple. I think it's the best burger in St. Louis by far. And, and and everything about it, it's like, just like a funky little, like, yeah, all it's High Point. Like, so all the little decorations in there are like somewhat like trippy. Like they have the old big boy from the big boy restaurants. They have yeah. his statue outside. He's got the bloodshot eyes. <laughs> and, oh, another, uh, another thing is they have like the, they have the weird brand sodas, like, they don't have Mountain Dew. Yeah. They have yeah. Like, it, it, I honestly think that some of those sodas are better than the big brands. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not much of a soda drinker anymore. I, like, I quit, I quit drinking soda, like, years ago. But um, I do, every once in a while, fancy a root beer. And I had myself a root beer when I was at Hot Point the last time. Oh, so good, dude. I wish I could remember the brand they have. I just remember that they have Ski. But it's, like, that family of brands there. Yeah. And it's just, oh my God. I mean, just go, please go check out High Point. All right. I'm really interested to hear your number one. What's your number one? Number one this, if, if you live in St. Louis and you haven't been to this restaurant and, and yes, it's not the, you know what? I'm not even going to say it's not the cheapest in the world because thing about this that pisses me off when you invite like some friends that are like a little bit on the cheaper side to go to this restaurant and they're like, oh, I don't want to spend the money. You can go and get 
a $13 burger there. Like, you don't have to spend the ups and ups. And I've had this, like, thing with my friends before, and I'm like, it's not that. You can go there and spend less. But you can spend a couple hundred dollars easy on you and your date. Annie Guns. Oh, great pick. That's that's out in Chesterfield, right off 40. You can see it from the highway. They got the big pig hanging out of the front. This, it, like, it's not, I don't even, I don't think it's like an Italian, it's a steakhouse. It's not like an Italian restaurant, but it has that, like, uh, Goodfellas, Godfather-like type restaurant feel, like the old school, like, you know, you're having some top secret mobster meetings in there. They have these little nook rooms that, like, it's it's its own table in a room, and it's wrapped around in the booth, and then behind, like, your booth seats are all walls, and then there's, like, a little pocket slider door that, like, you can open and shut for privacy. Like, the coolest little room that I've ever sat in while eating dinner. Uh, and then, like, you can get your your regular steaks, you know, your ribeyes and your fillets and stuff, like, good, g- really good cuts of beef. And then they'll have, like, the Wagyu and the Kobe beef and everything. And that stuff is, like, top-notch. Yeah, you're going to be spending quite the penny for that. But we, you know, a lot of times, like, I'm not the richest guy in the world, but, like, a lot of times we'll go and, like, get, like, they'll say, like, oh, some people will get, like, the Wagyu as, like, an appetizer, and they'll get, like, you know, a four-ounce piece, and you split that between, like, you and your date or something. Like, the sides there are incredible. All the food that I've ever tried there is incredible. It's top-notch. The service, phenomenal. I can't say enough good things about it. You know what the best part, or one of the best parts that they have at Any Guns is as well? This is a great pick, by the way. I mean, that is a great number one pick. They have the Smokehouse Market that's open during the day right next door that they own. I've never been that. I've never really taken advantage of it. Oh, man, dude. The be- If you're a soup person... Go try their soups. Their soups are awesome. Uh, they have a really good potato salad as well. They do like meatloaf Wednesdays. I think it's like nine ninety nine, and you get like a thing of meatloaf. I'm not a huge meatloaf guy, but I've tried it, and it's pretty good. I mean, I I, I don't trust any meat that you eat with ketchup. I just don't. I don't trust that. <laughs> meatloaf, meatloaf, double beatloaf. I hate meatloaf. <laughs> oh, meatloaf's pretty good. I like meatloaf. Well, I, dude, what a great pick for number one. What a way to ring in yeah. your, your, your Hall of Fame. I, I love these guns. I, I, yeah, we can, we can hear mine. It's, not, it's definitely not going to top yours, I can tell you that. So my number one pick for the Hall of Fame St. Louis restaurant is one that I, and I mean, you probably have heard me talk about this place. I recommend it to literally everyone that I meet. I mean, we could be at a bar and be like, you ever been to this place? You got to fucking check it out, man. It's just it's a great place. <laughs> um, Katie's Pizza and Pasta Osteria in Rock Hill is just an absolute gem. And I, I, I'm i not going to lie. I've been single for quite some time, and I've uh, been, but I've gone on you know a bunch of first dates. This is my number one date spot. This is it. I mean, I know I, I kind of said that with the hill, but that's like more like, you know, we've been together for a little while. You know, we'll take them out and for a nice night on the town. But Katie's is just the best pizza in st louis and if you bring me that emo's bullshit i will lose my mind like i don't <laughs> I, just don't even feed me any of that katie's i mean you want great pasta 
the pasta. Get the squid ink pasta, by the way. And get over the fact, I mean, getting over the fact that it's like a black pasta covered in squid ink is weird, but it's so good. It's amazing. You want great pizza? Great. It, what are they? They're, they're wood-fired pizzas, which, I mean, if, if it's coal-fired or wood-fired, you know it's probably going to be decent at least a little bit. But, I mean, I think it's a it's like a, a Napoli style or what Neapolitan uh, style? Neapolitan, yeah. So they're like a little bit. They're like a small pie with you know really good, really good crunch on the crust. You got to have the good crunch, and as Dave Portnoy would say, a great undercarriage, a great undercarriage. <laughs> uh, you know, sprinkle those four big basil leaves on the pieces. Great. Not to mention, get full eating their bread. I mean, they have the best olive oil to pepper mixture. I mean, having that kind of mixture is just key when you're eating bread like that. So, really good bread. Great pasta, great pizza, great drinks. I mean, it's a little bit more on the pricey side. I mean, yeah, if you take a date there, you're probably going to be spending in the 200 to 250 to $250 range, but well worth it. And I mean, it's a, it they have a little outdoor seating place which right now is the perfect it's the perfect weather in St. Louis to go have a dinner and, you know, dinner and drinks outside. It's perfect. You know, before it starts getting frigidly cold. Um, but I literally recommend this place to anyone. And like uh, we have a couple friends that like, you know, they whenever they're going in the city, they're like, Hey, I'm going to take this girl out. I'm like, go to Katie's. You won't regret it. And every time it's just been a glowing review. I can't say enough good things about Katie's. It's my favorite restaurant in St. Louis by far. Nice. Glad to hear. Uh, my wife and I, we've been doing this thing. where like everywhere we go. We we've been trying to like try as many pizza places around the St. Louis area as we can. And, uh, that one hasn't really been on my radar, but yeah, I'll definitely add it to the list now. Yeah, I, I literally cannot recommend it enough. Like you guys have to go, and I want to hear. I want to hear a review on this podcast as soon as you guys go. I want to hear. Your oh, we'll do for sure. Now, did you have any second ballots or honorable mentions that you wanted to put in here that maybe just didn't clip your list? So yeah, like um. One that I can definitely think of is another place that I've only tried once, and it's, like, pretty far away from me. It's, I don't even know. Like, it's probably past you. Um, it's 55 and Telegraph. Um, there's two locations, but everybody's always said you got to go to the 55 and Telegraph location. Um, it's called Nubbies, and it's mainly a barbecue joint, but they have... What I and this this is a very hard thing for me to say because my favorite pizza has always been BJ's Pizza and Florissant, like the third pizza joint ever in the St. Louis area. I've been going there a long time with my dad and grandpa. Anyway, that's not what I'm talking about. Go go there and get the pizza; it's really good. But Nubbies, dude. So as I said, we were going to try all these different uh, pizza places when we go all over the place. We had like a birthday party down in this area, and and. Somebody was like, yeah, Nubby's is the spot down there. We got this pizza there, and they say, get the bacon on the pizza. It, it was the best pizza I've had in the St. Louis area. It's a thinner crust. It's like a football shape, which I don't understand why they do it. They have their own brick oven there, and they make their dough daily there, and it is the best pizza. Also, a side note there, get the crab rangoons there. That's and it's like so weird because it's a barbecue place. You're like, why would I get crab rangoons at a barbecue place, dude? The 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 cream cheese inside of there 
is like has like a smoky flavor. They're giant like wontons, like rangoons or whatever they are. They're fantastic, dude. But yeah, that's like an honorable mention. I'd probably put them in my list, but like they're we've only been there once, and they're so far away. I don't know if I'll ever really get the chance to go again. I've actually heard of this place. My dad lives right near there, and he's talked about okay. it before. He actually brought up the the crab rangoon. I love a good goon. I, I mean, and the, I've seen a lot of videos on YouTube with people putting like new stuff in it. Like they'll do buffalo chicken, you know, crab rangoon or, you know, rangoon, or they'll do like brisket rangoon. That's maybe something they should try. I mean, yeah, do they do? I, think they do. I think they have a brisket rangoon too. I think that would be amazing. I had now I'm putting that on my list. Um, I had two, one of them I'm really high on the other one. I'm not really like, I don't, I'm not sure. Like I, it, I was like, do I even really want to bring it up? Cause I have so much Italian food on here, but so the, the one that I really wanted to get on here was Spiro's. Uh, they have two, two locations, one in Chesterfield right off of olive Boulevard and Chesterfield Parkway. And then the other one is on Jungerman out in St. Charles and, uh, or, or no, it's off of 94. Now that I, I'm thinking of something else, um, but I've heard of it, but I don't know much about it. It's Mediterranean food, and I'm not even like a huge Mediterranean guy, but like I don't do like lamb and tzatziki sauce and all that nonsense. But they have other options there. They have seafood, which is what I get every time I've been there. I get like you know a shrimp pasta or something like that, and they also have like any other like you know they have if you have kids, they have a kids menu. Some of these places that I'm talking about don't have kids menus, which is like absolutely nuts. I mean, unless, yeah. you know, I don't know, but, uh, yeah, really good joint. And the, the one that I really thought about not put it, like, I, I was like, I don't know if I, sh- if I should say it, but Peroni's pizza, which there's one over in O'Fallon yeah, really close by me. They yeah, were originally right a North County pizza joint. Yeah. So they have, they still have the location in North County. It's over off Washington and Elizabeth. And then they also have a location in O'Fallon right off highway 79 and highway yeah, 70. St. Peter's really, same thing. Yeah, really good, really good joint, really good pizza. Get a Jerry special pizza while you're there. I use, I work there. Dude, I, oh my god, they're phenomenal. Are they not? So a little bit of spice, a little bit of spice. So you got to be able to take it, but Gut so muscle. good, dude. So, yes. it'll get, it'll give you Crohn's disease if you eat too many of them. I'm surprised <laughs> that I don't have it because I, when I worked there in high school, I actually was part of the crew that opened it. Like I was a I was a server there for a little while. And, um, I ate a Jerry spec, like I'd get like a little personal Jerry special. I probably ate one every single night after my shifts. And I'm like, how is my stomach not ripped apart? Or how do I not have colon cancer at this point? It's just, but it's so good. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I got a buddy that worked there in high school too. Uh, I'll have to talk to you about that after the show to see if you knew him. That's fine. We'll have to see. I think that's a great little segment that we did there. I think we can get the people going with that. So nice little first Hall of Fame. I think we'll introduce that maybe once a week. Yeah, and like give us our, your feedback on it. Let us know any topics that you'd like to hear. Uh, you know, send us a message in DMs, uh, text if you have our numbers or whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really like that segment. I got a few ideas lined up already for it and uh, – yeah, I'd I'd love other ideas from you guys. The world is our oyster with that with that segment for sure. All right, let's do some quick NHL news and then I swear to god we're going to talk we're going to do a complete 
Blues breakdown and everything. So, um, Joe, why don't you go over some of the big news over the last two, uh, 48 hours here with the uh, NHL? All right. Um, so, big, big night. Tuesday night was the start of, like, the North American side of the NHL season. Uh, that was a good night, but um, th- nothing really noteworthy came out of those two games that started. Uh, the first noteworthy thing of the season, in my opinion, is uh, McJesus is doing McJesus things. Connor McDavid, four-point night, first game for the Oilers, uh, scored a hat-trick and uh, added an assist to that uh, as they smoked the Canucks. Um, Which, by the way, the Canucks were up 3 to nothing at one point, and then McDavid's like, nope, my game, time for me to show up. Second, yeah, and then, boom, five straight goals. And four of them at the uh, stick of McDavid. <laughs> I mean, it just All right, enough. We're not an Oilers podcast, so enough about uh, the greatest player in the NHL. Now, this next note, and I got to pull this up here really quick, is um, so there was some big news over the offseason. Johnny Gaudreau went to Columbus. Uh, everybody was excited to see Gaudreau play with a real goal scorer in Patrick Line. Line was going to have um you know hopefully a resurgence year and put up some numbers maybe put down the Xbox controller a little bit. Uh news came out uh that Columbus Blue Jackets forward Patrick Line will miss 3 to 4 weeks with an elbow sprain and has been placed on injured reserve. Now, I saw a clip of the hit that caused this. Um it was like it was it was weird. Like it kinda, was like the Scott like, Perunovich injury. It was like the same that's type exactly of play. What I was gonna say, yeah, like so he was facing the boards. He had his you know hand on the lower part, his right arm on the lower part of his stick, and like it was you know open as you're holding your stick, and then he get you know shoved up from behind. It wasn't even really like that hard of a hit, but he got shoved from behind, and like his arm where I guess the impact went to the elbow pushed it up against the boards and then like hyper extended it a little bit. And yeah, that, that uh, looked like it hurt. Yeah. I, that sucks for Columbus, but Hey, it's kind of relevant because we're going to be playing them Saturday um, for the opener. Which we'll get, and, and we get to see Johnny hockey here. I'll have to tell the Johnny hockey story on this podcast at one point. Um, might've may or may not have had a couple pops with him one night, but Either way, talking about line A is like they're going to be missing a decent amount of goals from this. And and he's ripped apart the Blues ever since he's came in the league. So this is kind of good news for us, but you never want to see a guy get hurt. So that sucks for them. Um, but, I mean, hopefully he's all right. Hopefully it's nothing long-term. But the thing is, is with like elbow and shoulder surgeries, those are like easy to like re-aggravate. Because, I mean, you're using a lot of elbow, a lot of shoulder, a lot of anything upper body. I mean, that's that's tough. We've seen it with Tarasenko. We've seen it with other guys. Oh, God. And it's, I don't know, man. This really sucks for Columbus fans, you know, getting all excited about seeing Line and Gaudreau play together. And now it's going to be another month before you see him again. But um, let's let's move on to this top 50 list that you put in here. Really, yeah, we don't so- want to... Yeah, I don't want to get too deep into it. Um, you know, the NHL, I, f- I feel like they're doing these weird lists every year. Uh, they find some, like, a couple years ago, they did the top 100 
greatest players to ever play the game. Uh, this one is, on, which was crazy. Yeah, dude, so weird. Um, this crazy. one is their top fifty NHL players right now. Um, one thing I found interesting about this is, uh, as far as the Blues go, we were pretty much snubbed, except for a guy that like I wouldn't even consider the best Blue right now. Uh, O'Reilly came in at number forty, and other than that, not a single Blue made this list. Um, I'm surprised that Tarasenko I'll, didn't make it on there because it's okay. If they're saying it's a right now list, how good was his season last year? How do you not eight, put him on that list? points, I think, in, in, in 79 games, like one of the best guess, shots in the league. I guess that's not good enough, but like, we're going to probably put guys like Brady Kachuk on there. I'm sure is probably on this list or like someone who just doesn't like re- no disrespect. I mean, St. Louis boy, but I mean, come on. And, and like, again, no disrespect to the captain, but he's not even the best player on our team. No, no. And, and especially with his season he had last year, like that was his worst season as a blue. Wasn't terrible, but it wasn't like what we've been spoiled with by him so far. Uh, I'll quickly read over the top 10 and then uh, you guys can go look at the list. I'm, you've probably seen it already, but uh, quickly the top 10. Connor McDavid, no argument there. Kale McCarr. Austin Matthews, Nathan McKinnon, Leon Dreisaitl, Andre Vasilevsky, Sidney Crosby, Victor Hedman, Barkov, and Alex Ovechkin. I got a couple quarrels with that top 10, but nothing too crazy. Like, is Crosby really still a top 10 guy in the NHL right now? No. But disrespect yeah, again. Know. I'm not trying to disrespect Sid, but my God. there's I could, I could tell you I think five players right now. That play, he, was, he was number 12. That's, ugh. I don't get that. All right. Anyway, before we get, uh, before we get too angry, yeah. let's talk about this NHL 23 simulation that they had. Cause this is just, again, I don't even know why we're giving this any airtime at all. This is ridiculous. I cannot stand looking at this stuff. I remember when I first started watching hockey, like I really like was into these and I was like super excited every time they came out and I'm like, Oh, is it going to be right? And then, you know, obviously you never remember them for the rest of the year. Uh, I thought it was pretty funny though. Cause I, I think I snubbed this team that they have winning the whole thing from even making the playoffs. They have the Pittsburgh Penguins winning over the Colorado Avalanche in Game 7. Uh, I'm sorry, but that's not going to happen. And for one, I really don't want to like get angry about this. My blood's starting to boil. Uh, we're, we're taking the word. like People will take the word. I get what it's for. It's for, like young, it's for the younger crowd. You're like, oh, I play this game all the time, and they simulated it. But when you're like, our age, we all play Chell. Yeah, I mean, I still play it to this day. Like, come on now. Yes. Like, let's get serious. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna trust a company who can't even get their own game right to simulate the season uh, accurately. I mean, they basically just where put, GM connected. Yeah, bring that back, please. That'd be great. Um, but they did do the roster sharing, which is pretty cool. But the other thing is, like, why do these always end in game sevens? Like, can they not? Is is are we getting to the point where like where even NHL twenty three is like no we're not disrespecting anyone like it's disrespectful to say someone wins in six games it's always a seventh game it's not a simulation they're just putting out there it's like someone who I don't I don't know it's just not accurate I don't believe any yeah. of it. they have the Blues losing to Colorado again in round two and they have us playing against it's Minnesota exact, again it's the exact same outcome as last year's uh, Central Division but they have quarter the crack and making the playoffs. Yeah, I know. What a joke. I, uh, 
What a yeah. You I see a couple talking heads with the Kraken making the playoffs this year. I'm like, how? No, it's too early. I think they're doing the right thing by not going guns blazing to start out. But like, no, it's too early. I think they got a five year plan, and I think that's about how long it's going to take. I think Ronnie franchise. Which, by the way, with, while we're on Seattle, real quick, while we're on the NHL news. Shane Wright played four minutes yesterday. Played four minutes. <sighs> Did I mean, he get hurt? No. What is even the point of having him play <laughs> right. at this point? If you're going to play him for, I think it might have been six minutes. I don't know, but he he didn't play very long. Like, he, why? Just send him back to Kingston and have him play another year in junior and get seasoned if that's yeah. what you're going to do. Maybe they're just going to do the the whole nine game tryout thing, but still, it's like, yeah, yep, okay, done with the NHL, done with the news. We've all been waiting for. It's time to talk Blues. It's time to give this a good breakdown now. We do want to do a quick little recap of the... It's not going to be super long, but we want to do a quick little recap how the preseason ended, obviously. Um, now, you were at the game against Minnesota, so we 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 went 2-1. and one. You know, we played Minnesota, Columbus, and Chicago to end. Um, you were at the game in, Minnes- or in St. Louis when we played Minnesota, right? Yeah, so Tuesday's game against Minnesota... Um, so, like, I, I like uh, getting my family into hockey since i've been in it for 10 plus years now um easy way to do that is to take your friends family whatever to the preseason games um i got to sit i think it was like 309 so we were like on the corner on the shoot twice side row a and it was like 17 dollars a ticket um i brought who i've been bringing the past like five six years since my son's been born me my son my little brother, and then uh, my older nephew, Steven. So us four, we've been going. And then this year, uh, I invited my other nephew, who's my son's age, uh, Ray. And we all went down, brought him down early, brought him down to the uh, glass, you know, at warm-ups and everything. was really hoping to get a puck. All of my... My brother, my nephew, and my son have all gotten pucks when we've done it in the past. Uh, this time, we, were, we weren't lucky enough to get a puck. They tried flipping us one, but the netting above the glass was a little too tight. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was awesome. It was a 4-2 win, so it wasn't just an absolute shit-kicking. It was the first time, like, I've brought my son to 10 to 15 games now. He's six years old, and... Uh, He's never really like fully been into like watching the game. He's he's all about like the crowd, the loud horn, the noise, the dancing when we score a goal. But he's never really like sat there and watched the ice, watched the players on the ice, watched the puck. What what, what is he six? Like he he, he he's six years old. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And like so, this was like the first time where like he it wasn't the whole game for sure, but there was a solid like. One point between whistles, there was like a seven minute stretch with no whistles, and he was in it. And he's like, Oh no, they're coming down to our side, they're gonna score. And then we go down, he's like, Oh, come on, shoot the puck, they're gonna score. We need to score here. It was, it was like an all time dad moment. It was so cool to see him do that. I'm like, Finally, like, you know, this is what I'm really, really into. And you know, he can sit down because you know, he'll watch the games with me on TV for two minutes, and then he's like, Ah, oh, I'm gonna go watch YouTube. It's like okay, dude. <laughs> Does he, yeah, he's probably like going to watch like FGTV or something like that, which is what my nephew Who knows. Yeah, I don't. I have no idea. But it's really cool that he was in there. I mean, that's got to be like a proud dad moment. You're like, yes, he's locked in. He's dialed. 100. 
Like I, I, I love taking these guys to the game. You know, they're, they, you know, and the ages kind of range all over the place. So it's not like the biggest bond between all of us guys. But like, you know, it's it's all my like my little brother and my nephews. Like I'm thrilled to do it. Um, but then uh, on Thursday, you know, we played the Blues Jacket Blue Jackets. A uh, little sneak preview to the to the season opener, and we got shit kicked seven to nothing. But then uh, we turned things right around Saturday facing uh, the Shithawks, the Blackhawks, uh, and won that game 6 to nothing. I will give the Blues a built-in excuse here. I think their plane landed in Columbus like f- less than an hour before puck drop. And so, like, and I think they were going to go with a full roster that night, and they just couldn't because none of the guys wanted to hop off a plane and then get, you know, basically no warm-up and get on the ice right. and play. So a little bit of an excuse you know, losing seven to nothing, but again, it's preseason. And then they absolutely, they ran, they ran it right back against Chicago. And uh, I mean, dude, they, and that was a full roster, pretty much the, ex, the exact roster. Is it? That you're have. And, oh, and I they, well, Chicago is an AHL team right now. Like they, <laughs> like you sent me a text today and you're like, who are these guys that played on two or played last night? I thought it was pretty right. funny, but yeah. So the preseason's officially done. Uh, over with, you know, we ended off with a six nothing win. Now with that, you know, they had a long time between, uh, you know, a long layoff between their last preseason game and the game on Saturday. So you know, we're still waiting, and the team takes a trip to Charleston, South Carolina, for team bonding. Nice little idea by Brewery Bay there. Yeah, I mean, I, I so uh, Kirby was on uh, the Rizzuto show this morning, and you know, uh, I listen to them every day. Uh, he was talking about, you know, some little tidbits on this trip. Uh, you know, Bruby said he's looking for some cohesiveness and chemistry and, you know, just getting the team to overall bond together uh, on this trip. They, they, He said that, like, a lot of times they'll try and fit this trip in early in the season on their first, like, two or three game road trip. But it's really nice when you have this week off between the preseason game and the first regular season game to, like, actually go wherever the hell you want. And, um, you know, they've done this a few times in the past. Like I, f- I forget some of the cities that they've been to, but, um, but it wasn't all, it wasn't all just relaxing, drinking beers and all that. Uh, they practice, uh, a little bit Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. And then, uh, they had a lot of fun following those practices. Uh, they had a golf outing planned, and then uh, like a fishing tournament. I know like Shenner is a big fisherman. Uh, some of the other guys on the team. I know uh, who was it? There was somebody that isn't on the team anymore. That what was, was that like, probably. Huge, uh, it seems like it those Sasky boys would be in. Yeah, Shen Schwartz. Maybe it was Schwartz. Uh, no, that doesn't seem right. Anyway, yeah, those Sasky boys definitely seem like they're big fishers. Um, but yeah, like a, a nice little fishing trip. I'm I'm sure they did some kind of little tournament during that. And then uh a day of like full out football for them. I guess maybe they were watching football, maybe they were playing. I don't know. I don't know if Baruby would be that happy and then somebody getting like a broken forearm from getting tackled on the <laughs> ground by one of these guys. I'm sure it was two hand touch, my my guy. Yeah, I mean like th- 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 these trips fascinate me. Like I'd love to like just see what goes on between these guys, like what Baruby's doing to, you know, really push these guys to bond together. Yeah. And you got to think like maybe bringing in a couple new guys, they want to do that, like get out early because you know, they're going to have, uh, we'll get to Jake neighbors in a second and Josh Levo, but you have those two guys coming in. 
um, you know, Noel Achari, guys like that uh, that are coming in. So, you know, and Thomas Grice, again, the backup goalie. Um, you know, getting a good, like a nice, good trip in, get some team, you know, like you said, cohesiveness and, you know, a little bit of chemistry, get to know your, you know, your potentially new line mate or whatever, you know, it's a good idea. And, you know, it's, that's kind of a plus to having, you know, a week and a half off between preseason and, you know, your first opening season game. Now you were talking about how Kerber was on the Rizzuto show. Um, and I think you had Jamie Rivers was on there too, talking about some stuff as well. So yeah, Jamie Rivers. Uh, what I heard him on that was like a whole thing with the point and one on one ESPN. Um, Jamie Rivers and Donnie Fandango and uh, RIP uh, Jeff Burton. They used to do this uh, last minute blues podcast. Like it's promoted by like the blues and everything. Um, yeah. It's only like, like a little thirty minute once a week podcast. They don't get into too much detail with stuff, but uh, a little little less than us. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, so Wednesday morning, uh, Curbs was on there, and he was talking about how uh, Logan Brown, you know, got injured maybe at a practice on that trip, um, and they didn't really like know hardly any information about it. But then today, uh, Thursday, I was listening to that last minute blues podcast with Jamie Rivers, and he was saying that um, it's likely an upper body injury, but uh, like I said, they don't really know too much more than that, and how long he's going to be out probably keeping it hush hush just to yeah you know not get people freaking out and anything like that i think he'll be fine hopefully it's no big deal i mean he he had a fantastic preseason we'll get into it a little bit more in a little more in a little bit um but yeah he had a great preseason and i think was definitely going to make the team yeah 100 percent um and then right before uh we get into the full breakdown and everything um, Jake Neighbors and Josh Levo were sent down to the AHL, but this was basically for people that don't know, like you can't activate LTIR until the beginning of the season. Like it's not allowed. Like you have to be cap compliant the day the season starts, which basically no team was cap compliant. And so had to move these plus so Scandella and Perunovic are both moved to uh LTIR. You know, we get some space, we'll go into that. But people were freaking out. They're like, what? They're sending neighbors down like already, and Lebo's not making the team after scoring four goals in the preseason? It's like, no. Uh, just you know, take a chill pill. Relax. Like the Aaron Rodgers thing back in the day. Relax. Relax. It's going to be fine. So they're, they're back on the team. They're on the – spoiler alert. They're on the 23-man roster, each one of them. Um, and that's basically it. One, one little side note I wanted to add to that was um, – so like we, we kind of first got – this whole inside information about like how this was all just a paper trail, but it was before neighbors and Levo were sent down. Um, Nikita Alexandrov, uh, who had a pretty good preseason himself. Uh, I think he was a second round pick in 2019. Um, he was the first one like to kind of surprisingly get sent down when they were really narrowing down that roster and and that's when they you know a lot of the talking heads on Twitter kind of explained like, hey, this is probably just like a paper move on paper move um, until Scandella and Perunovic get put on LTIR when the season starts this past Tuesday. Yeah, and it sounds like Alexandrov is not going to be up with the team to start. I mean, as far as the twenty three man roster, he's not on there, and uh, I mean. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, he had a good preseason, yeah, but everyone that has a good preseason is not going to make the roster. And this is a deep team. Um, but 
it's not saying that he's not going to get a shot later on. There's going to be injuries. Hopefully not. Nothing serious. But, you know, there's going to be times that he's going to get called up. And he's going to – I think he'll be fine. I think playing in the AHL could help. I mean, look, it's only his fourth fourth season with the in the system. So give him a little bit of time. And, again, like how much can you take off of a good preseason? It's, it's hard right. to tell. I, I fully believe, like, first man, first forward down this year, uh, Alexandrov's going to get the call up. Yeah, I, I believe that. I think he's, like, the 14th guy, like, the 14th forward. You know, you have one scratched and one ready to go. He's probably that guy. Okay. All right, Joe, it's time. We're going to do a little bit. So, for everyone that's listening, um, I do want to do a little bit of a 21-22 season review. You know, try to make it as quick as possible and then kind of go, we'll go into... Um, a breakdown of how we think everything is going to go this year, kind of go over the roster and everything like that. So just want to start with the 21-22 season. I mean, we know how it ended, um, but, you know, 109 points in the you know for third in the Central, pretty good record. Uh, our division record was really good. I mean, besides Colorado, we were in second in that way. We were 16-6-3 against the Central, so really good, you know, record against uh, the guys that we have. I mean, we have to win. And we talk- we've talked about it before, a tough – like the toughest division in hockey, more than likely. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it it was a good good record last year against our own division. You always gotta that's that's where you make up the most ground on points. So you know, a really a a two point win anywhere else is basically like a four point win against a division rival. Yeah, and that I know we played. I think we played Minnesota like two or three times down the stretch, and they got a lot of it was a lot of four point nights that they had there. That we ended up, you know, jumping them. So that was nice. Um, or we didn't jump them in the end, but you know, we, you know, made our way. At one point, we were in a wild card spot. Like it was just, it was all over the place. It was so, so weird at the end, yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a tight race. Um, the playoffs were a thing. We know how that ended. You know, they lose um, in six games to Colorado, which again, I'm saying they gave Colorado their toughest test, even compared to Tampa. I mean, they didn't they say, didn't you send me something about? Uh... Uh, was it their coach that said like on the broadcast the other night yeah. that like, we gave them the toughest test? It was I I can't remember. It was on the TNT broadcast. I think it might have been either Biz or some someone. Oh no, it was Tockett. It was Rick Tockett, and he goes oh. he goes like he was talking about McCarr and McKinnon, and he said like the only team that we saw even get close to shutting them down and playing them the right way was St. Louis, and I mean that's true. I think each one of them. I think they know. I think each combined, I think they had three or four points in six games, yeah. which did not happen in any other series. Which they had that in pretty much every game in every other series. Yeah, pretty much. That was a, a you know, four-point night was easy for them. Um, now, just to kind of go over their playoffs the last few years. So 2018, obviously, we missed. Uh, but 2019, you know, we had the Cup. 2020, that absolutely gut-wrenching loss to Vancouver. Bo Horvat ripped us apart. Um, and then 2021, we got, I keep forgetting about that. We got swept by Colorado that year too. And yeah, that was, that I was a hard year. Might've been when Brandon, like Brandon Saad always killed the blues. I think that's the moment they realized they're like, okay, we're going to get this guy in free agency. And they did. So that was kind of a nice move. Um, now I still don't know if we would have won the series against Colorado, but Kadri taking out Bennington was definitely a big blow. I mean, that was huge. So, I mean, we don't have to get into it. Um, it was funny the other day though that Brett Hall was on the Cam and Strick podcast, and he called Kadri 
every name in the book. I mean, nothing bad, but I mean, Brett Hull is trying to get canceled. I will say that that guy is just an absolute. He's uncancelable. You can't cancel the Brett. Can't cancel a legend. But um, yeah, he called him an idiot. He was just like, I mean, he he's like he cost the he said at one point he cost the Leafs two chances at winning a cup, which he did. He got suspended two years in a row. Gets suspended against when he plays in 2021 against us, you know, for the hit on Falk. And then, you know, takes out, you know, jeopardizes the Blues chance of getting a cup last year. Um, Who's to say that? Who knows? Um, Now, we're led by GM Doug Armstrong. Obviously, you have in here in the notes. I I forgot that he was the longest tenured or the second longest tenured GM. Yeah, the only uh, GM that has more tenure than him, which is... By far and away, the longest tenured GM, David Poyle of the National Predators, uh, has been the GM for them since 1997. That's crazy. That's the year they came in. So he's been there the entire time. Oh, my God, dude. And they had Barry Trotz up until, I think, 2013 or 14. Like, they had him for a long time. Originally, original coach? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. And they had David Lakewand and another another thing or two. Yeah, like you, they had another player, David Lakewand, who who was who got was their first draft pick and played his entire career there. Like I, so that's awesome. Obviously, Nashville, they got something working over there. Uh, Craig Berube is still the coach. Uh, I did not know that his record was this good. I guess it's really just the playoff losses that I think about. But 156 wins and 80 losses since taking over in 2018. I mean. Just he's a legend here already, and he just signed a three-year extension um, in February, so he'll be a, our coach hopefully until 2025. So that'll be nice. Um, and then obviously the captain Ryan O'Reilly, third season as captain, third full season. Um, yeah, I mean, there's. I, 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 we'll get into like how that's going to work out with the whole contract situation later, because I mean you got to make a decision between two guys, so we'll see who they keep. Uh, real quick, their led uh, their goal leaders were Tarasenko at 34. We kind of talked about that already with the you know his 80 something points, or sorry, his 82 points. Uh, Buchnevich had 30. What a year for Buch! His first year here. I mean, he's got he's got to think that that's great for him. His first year fits in that well, and I mean we have a ton of Russians on the team, so I mean that probably helps a little bit too with the language barrier and all that. Kyrou uh, had 27. Uh, Perron had 27 as well, but obviously he gone. He went to Detroit along with half our team. Um, and Barbashev, sneaky 26 goals last year, so not too shabby. I think another guy that can, you know, even – I think – I don't know if he's going to score 26 again, but he can definitely be a, a key piece, you know, coming up this year. Sneaky especially for being, you know, stuck down for – on the third line for the majority of the season. I think even like a handful of games he played on the fourth line, like – it's pretty sneaky. I know they did do that experiment with uh, him, Tarasenko. He centered Tarasenko and Buchnevich, which I, I, if something goes wrong with that Thomas Tarasenko line, like try that line out again because they, they were popping for a minute. Um, but uh, yeah, with Ivan Barbashev getting those 26 goals, uh, I was like looking at his stats as we were doing this, and I also saw like he, uh, shout out to him for playing 81 of 82 games last year he he played the most games for us last year which was pretty that's cool that's tough because the way he plays you'd think he might get hurt every now and then cuz he is a bowling yeah. ball dude he just goes out there and wrecks people 
and he put you know kills a lot of penalties, blocks a lot of shots. So I like that. Another note you hadn't heard that I I forgot about this: nine twenty goal scorers on the team last year, and we're bringing back eight of them. Uh, the only one that we're not bringing back is Perron. Um, and then Shen and Saad both had twenty four, and then Ryan O'Reilly with twenty one, and Robert Thomas with twenty. I just I completely forgot that, and I think we had the most in the league. That had to be the most. I'm pretty sure it was the most. Yeah. Yeah, that's a it's a pretty good number for us. And then the points leader, uh, we had Tarasenko with 82. Thomas was 77. We've already talked about that. We'll we'll get into our predictions for that, but he's going to score a lot more. Uh, Butchnevich right behind him was 76, 75 for Kairou, 60 for Barbashev. I want to go into some of these stats that they had last year as well because I want to uh, you know we got to bring this up in the preview on where they're going to finish. But they were. Uh, for goals for at least, they had 300, 311. That's fourth in the NHL. Uh, goals against 242, which was 11th, so not too bad on both ends. You know, scoring more than, you put in, than you're letting in is usually pretty good in hockey. Um, their power play was 27%. I mean, when you're scoring at that clip, think about basically one out of every five or 4.8 times you get a power play you're scoring. That's insane. No, that's more than one out of every four. Twenty-five percent's one out of every four, so you're getting even better than that. Oh, so it's more like like three point something. Three point eight, probably. That's yeah. Sick math, Zach. Uh, which also that twenty-seven percent was uh, second in the NHL, only behind Toronto. And Toronto had a twenty-seven point three percent clip, so they weren't far. They weren't far behind at all. And I'm pretty sure, like, the majority of the season, I think our power play slowed down a little bit towards the end. We picked up right at the end again, but I think the majority of the season we were leading the league in power play. I think, like, in that February to March region, they were kind of cold. But other than that, I mean, that's pretty – to be that good on the power play is just unreal. And we don't even have the – we don't have four players making $40 million like Toronto has that they can throw out there. We're doing that (laughs) – You know, guys who grind, you know. Uh, Penalty kill, 84.1%, which was fifth in the NHL. The big number that I want to get into is the index. So that's basically your power play and penalty kill combined. So you add those two percentages. 111.1% when you combine those two. The best in the league by like 6%. I think the next was Carolina right behind them. Um, I mean, that's just, that's incredible. If you can do that, usually if you're above 100, that's really good. But... Um, I mean, what a what a set of special teams we have, and it, it, basically we're bringing back everybody except Perron, so I don't see why they can't do it again. And that's uh, credit to an old uh, penalty killer guy that uh, played for us. That's now on the coaching staff, uh, Steve Ott. I believe he's the big brains behind a lot of these special teams, and big time credit to him. It's nuts that he runs the power play. He never played a lick of power play in his career. <laughs> Maybe in Buffalo he did a little bit. Um, so as far as the cap space, we talked about it. We don't really need to get into it. They have $4 million that's waiting, so if they want to make a deal, they can. Um, I don't see them doing that. Um, and that's pretty much it. Now, additions and subtractions. Uh, we kind of talked about them a little bit. Nolachari, Matthew Highmore, who's an AHL guy. Nick Letty's first full season as a blue. We keep forgetting. He's only been here since March. Of this past, of you know, this past season. Yeah, I mean, Letty Letty was a huge addition last year. Uh, solid on the power play. Solid. Any any team would take him in their you know second pairing of the D. Uh, moves the puck well. Doesn't do anything wrong. Just your standard vanilla 
they taste good, but nothing too special about them. You know, just just it always gets the job done. Yes. I mean, if you want a reliable flavor, if you want a reliable defenseman, go get him. Uh, so really good pickup. And again, that's our boy, Steady Eddie Letty. I mean, that's just, that's our guy. Um, as far as the subtractions, there aren't a lot. I mean, obviously we lost Sunquist um, in the deal for Letty. Uh, we lose Perron to Detroit. Huso to Detroit. All three of those guys go to Detroit. Um, the biggest one is probably going to be Perron. I mean, I think we can all agree with that. And 100%. 20, 20 plus goals. Uh, really tough player to play against. You know, everyone hates him, but you love to have him. But, you know, we have guys like Neighbors, Torbchenko, guys like that that can come in and probably soften the blow. So I, hopefully that's how it works out. And and for us being a team that doesn't have like that 40-plus goal guy every year, uh, we rely on having a lot of the, like like we mentioned earlier, with nine twenty goal scores, we rely on a lot of guys making up that, you know, lack of goal from the one guy. Uh, so Perron being third overall in goals with 27 is, uh, you know, that, that's going to be a bit of a blow. Yeah. And a guy that's been here forever or, you know, in and out forever, basically since 2007 when we drafted him. But, um, a big, another big, well, I guess we don't know if it's big, but it's kind of polarizing. One of the most polarizing players we've polarizing, had. Polarizing, Yes. Yeah, in 2017, the draft, we take Clem Costin in the first round with the very last pick, and he's traded. And I I don't know how I feel about it. It's not a really huge deal for Dmitry Samarukov, I guess is how you pronounce it. Uh, that was on Sunday. This past Sunday was traded. I mean, I really don't know how I feel about it. He's been such a, again, he's a polarizing figure. There would be times where he would be just this flash of greatness and the other times you're like is this guy really an nhl player like is he really on our roster a couple things that like you know okay first first instinct with costume being traded bye see ya like this is another thing this is another guy that like is nhl ready but we just can't get him to quite work out he remind this he reminds me so much of like four or five years ago when dimitri yashkin was like always just bouncing in and out of the AHL, NHL, AHL, NHL. And he looks good sometimes. He looks really good. He has everything. He has a skill. He has a size. He has the physicality. He has the shot. But he doesn't have the heart, at least in my opinion. And he didn't have the... It didn't seem like he had great footwork as far as speed went. Like, he seemed like he was slow a lot of yeah but you can, you can get away with that with like with the other stuff that you have like he was he was a big package he had a lot of things like his size he was big he was a bully and the other thing that i wanted to say with him that like kind of scares me is like he knew how to show up in big games like uh he i think he had like i think it was like it was either the world championships or i'm pretty sure it was the world juniors where uh like he was just the best player on Russia. Yeah. yeah. And 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 you know polarizing in a way as in like I think it was World Juniors and like they won the silver medal and then like he took it off and like threw it in the crowd. You remember that? Well, I know Leas Anderson did that for Sweden. I mean, I could probably I I'm guessing he probably did that too. I could see him I could see him. Yeah. 
I don't. I just don't remember. He is something of the sort. I, I I thought that's what it was. Maybe it was like the bronze medal. I don't know. But yeah, he he took the medal off, and I don't know if he threw it in the crowd or just like took it off and was like, I'm not gonna wear this. But uh, but he was like their best player at the time. So it's like he and there's there was another instance on like a big level game where like you know I remember he was like a he did really well there too. So it's like he's a guy that like could show up in these big moments, but you know just. It really isn't showing up when we want them to. Yeah, and I mean, nine points in 40 games last year doesn't help you out at all. I mean, no, he was he played. A, he, they gave him the chance. Almost played half the season, and I, I'll, I'll be in agreement with you. Sayonara. I mean, luck wherever wherever you end up. I really don't see him ending up being an NHL player. He's he's had almost six years now in the league, and he just hasn't shown anything. Uh, and, and the only thing that scares me is like he with the skill that he has with the shot that he has with the size that he has is like where where did he end up going again uh oh edmonton, edmonton. watch him end up playing with mcdavid yeah. and getting 35 goals well yeah f- screw that i i god i'd be pissed if that happens but and then you know we just know that it's edmonton inflating everything but like no matter what team he plays for, to say he gets traded after Edmonton, like he could be one of those guys that comes back and like haunts us. Like I, I don't think it's gonna happen, but it, it, you know that thought of that really scares me. Yeah. Well, we'll say sorry to him, but there was a cool note in here about uh, Samarukov, um, probably an AHL guy. But you had in here, uh, he only played one NHL game, and he played it against the Blues, and he was a dash two. Yeah, that's C. <laughs> With two minutes and 28 seconds of time on ice, it's a minus yeah. two. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Well, let's move on to the 23-man roster that was announced this week. Uh, it's pretty standard, but I don't know if anyone's really going to be surprised with any. So we have Tarasenko, Thomas, Buchnevich, uh, Braden Shen, O'Reilly, Kairou, Brandon Saad, Barbashev, Jake Neighbors, Logan Brown, Nolachari, Josh Levo, uh, are your starting forwards more than likely with Torobchenko being injured right now, not ready, but he still is on the roster, um, which is good because they're not going to send him down to the AHL. That guy needs to play. I'm excited to watch oh. this guy play. I love. Yeah, Torbchenko. he's a, he's a freaking tank, dude. Yeah, dude, he's awesome. Another Russian that we're going to add to this roster. How, and, how uh, tall is he? Like six six five, six five. He's, yeah, he's huge, dude, and he he's like a. He looks like Gumby. Like he's just so long <laughs> and <laughs> just everywhere. Um, and then we, Torovchenko and Nathan Walker, your extra forwards. As far as the defense goes, I mean, we know this Krug Falk, Letty Pareko, Mikola Bortuzzo, Callie Rosen uh, as your seventh D. And then you have Perunovic that's obviously going to LTIR. We know the goalies. We have Bennington. We have Thomas Grice, the new guy, the backup. This is Bennington's first year, if you ask me, with no competition behind him. There is none. He is the A1 or 1A, A1, whatever you want to say. He's the guy. I I don't know how many games you think he plays this year. I'm guessing, I'm going to guess it's going to be somewhere around 55, 60, something like that. Yeah, I mean, you said that this is his first year with no real competition. Like, it should, it should, uh, what am I trying to say here? It shouldn't be his first year with no real competition. His first year with no real competition was that was when him and Huso played their first year together. It was Bennington's net to take, and he just didn't really ever take. I guess it was last year. He didn't really ever take grab of it like he should have. 
And then Huso ended up stealing the job from him. So, yeah, Huso moves on to Detroit. And now, you know, that left us with the decision on what goalie do we go to get and back up for Bennington. They go and get Thomas Grice, who, you know, solid backup, but you're not going to want to rely on him for more than really like 30 30 or so games. Um, So, yeah, Jordan Bennington now is really your time again. And uh, there's there's no safety net on this one. Yeah, and the this is probably the first time the Blues haven't had like a, a like a true like one A one B type goalie system since I couldn't tell you. I mean, before Halak and, uh, and Elliot. I mean, we had Halak and Elliot. Then you had Elliot and Allen. Then you had Allen. Or at one point there was Jake Allen and ryan miller or brian elliott and ryan miller <laughs> it's I mean, remember time. That? <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean what a weird time that was um i thought they were winning the cup that year and then chicago oh, was like, dude eh, eh, eh. yeah wakey, um, wakey. Wakey. but like what when's the last time we can remember not having a tandem goalie set this is bennington's year like you have to be the guy there is no room because you're right about last year it seemed like it, it wouldn't what am I trying to say? Bennington didn't play terribly, but Huso played his. I mean, he played lights out. Especially Did in Bennington not play terribly. He played. I he think at the beginning in, of the season, Bennington played pretty terrible at the beginning of the season. Let Let's be real stinkers. here. Yeah, 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 yeah. He let in some stinkers. He but then he turned it around at the end of the season. And then as soon as the playoffs came, he's like, "Okay, I'm ready. Like I'm ready to play now." He's a he's a big game player. He really is. Um, and I again, I. Who knows how it would have went with Colorado if he sta- if he's not injured? But he was playing his he was playing out of his mind at the end of the year, so we'll see how it goes. But you're you made a good point about no safety net. I mean, Grice is no he's not going to be a guy. The guy can play twenty five games at the most. I think I think Bennington has to play sixty if we're if we have any chance, and he has to be one of the best players on the ice a lot of the times, especially playing in the central. I mean, we're going to be playing McKinnon. We're going to be playing Kaprizov. We're going to be playing Yossi and Forsberg and all these other guys. You know, say what you want about Chicago, but Kane and Taves love to play against the Blues, and he's got to be the best player on the ice sometimes. He's got to stand on his head. Shifley. Yeah, Wheeler. And uh, 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 what's his dude's name? Uh, Connor, yeah. I was going to say Carver. Kyle Corbett. Carved, uh, carved a hole in Bennington, made him a jack lantern last year. Uh, let's talk about players. Uh, we were talking about uh, Ryan O'Reilly and Tarasenko, two guys in contract years, both making 7.5 mil and contracts expiring at the end of the season. It's going to be an awkward, an awkward situation on what they're going to do. And again, Tarasenko has not rescinded his trade request. He had a great year last year. If he comes out firing, who knows what happens? Or if the opposite happens, if one of them's not playing well, do they try to offload him and try to get um, some assets back, some draft picks? I don't think so. I don't. I think they just run with this team. They don't trade anybody, but it's going to hurt if we let one of these guys because we're going to keep one. But it's who do you make the decision on keeping? And I mean, it's going to hurt letting one of these guys walk if we do run with this team all year. It's going to hurt. Yeah, I mean, I, I changed my mind on what I think is going to happen with this whole Vlad Tarasenko thing every every time I go to sleep, I think. Like, 
I, I thought he was gone by now for sure. Like I, I would not have expected him to still be on this team when that initial report of him asking for the trade first came out. Like, no, what did you say? Oh, we're going to start the 22, 23 season with Terrace Angle still on the team. No, I would have thought he was gone a long time ago. And I don't know right now. I think like uh, if he's playing good, I still think like that we're probably going to keep him around. Why would you not keep Vladimir Tarasenko around to try and win you another Stanley Cup? I mean, the guy, he performed very good last year in the playoffs. He was probably our second best, I think our second best forward uh, in 2019 when we won the Cup. And he's a, he's a guy you need to keep around. Now, long term, no, I don't think he's here next year. I think that's almost a guarantee. But the the big question is trade deadline, I think. Yeah, I think it really just depends on where we're at as a team. I mean, that it's just that's what it comes down to. If we're in a playoff race, I think you gotta keep him. You gotta just run with it and then try your chance at free agency and see what happens. If he wants to leave, he can leave. He can walk. But the thing is, is he had one of his best years in recent history last year, like in his career last year. I mean, what a restart. His best year of his NHL career, as, as far as points Maybe go, yeah, wise, I think so. yeah, yeah, and I mean not goals. I think he's got. I think as high as like I think forty, maybe thirty nine. I mean, yeah. yeah, he was just shy of forty. And uh, I, it comes down to whether he wants to stay or not. I honestly do think that if they are going to keep anyone in free agency, it's probably going to be O'Reilly, just because of knowing that Tarasenko obviously wanted to be traded and he wanted out. He's probably going to leave, but. Getting rid of him before the season ends just sounds like a really bad idea. I don't see that happening unless he just makes it. Unless we're doing really bad and he's like, okay, I want out. Like, I need out now. Yeah. And I don't know what the the return that, that well, you know, was being talked about last year in the summertime was not anything great. Like, it wasn't. And I think it was because of the shoulder, you know, coming off the shoulder surgery and that whole debacle was just weird. You got to think this past this offseason that we're coming off of right now like you got to think the trade value was way up then so like it's really shocking that like i thought for sure even at the beginning of this offseason it's like when those reports came out that like he still has yet to rescind his trade request like i couldn't believe that he was still on this team right now like it's it's crazy i, I would have thought his return would have been huge yeah it's that's it's just odd, and I think it probably had something to do with the shoulder surgery. I mean, I'm sure that still looms, you know, around other teams. Like, is it really yes. that? Yeah. So, if you're Doug Armstrong, who do you keep? Like, if you're, you know, if you say, who knows what happens with the season, how it ends up? Say we make the playoffs, and you know, whatever happens, happens. Who are you pursuing the most? Like, who would you want to keep? Oh, I mean, a hundred percent Tarasenko. Like, that's our. A, he's our most tenured player on the team. Uh, he's our best offensive, solely offensive player on the team as of, like, right now, at least. Uh, you know, and Kyru and Thomas are going to put up a fight for that. Um, I think, really, Kyru has something to prove this year. But um, Tarasenko's the better offensive player, I, probably realistically even the better player over O'Reilly. Um O'Reilly's better all like in an all-around sense. You know, he can do everything, but 
O'Reilly's not getting any younger. He's got a few years on Tarasenko. He didn't have the best year last year. Uh, he's your captain, though, so there's there's a, a big plus there. I, I don't know, man. That's a hard decision that he's going to have to make if, if Tarasenko even wants to stay. I, I would not even want to be Doug Armstrong this summer. It's just going to be too tough. That's got to be. That's probably going to be his hardest decision he's had to make in a few years. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm sure it wasn't difficult trading those guys to get O'Reilly, but he's going to have his work cut out for him. That's for sure. Come the summertime, I really can't even tell you how it's going to play out. It's really just dependent on how the team's doing. I mean, we this because this is probably going to be a a topic of conversation up until trade deadline, until both of them are still here. Then I'll feel safe. And, and this is you know. Not the best thing to think about, but maybe next year neither of these guys are playing for the Blues because they're both going to be free agents. They can do whatever the hell they want. And depending on how the season goes, and O'Reilly's kind of a weird character. Like, we've known from his past that, like, he doesn't do well staying around at the same team for long periods of time. So I think he really likes it here, but maybe he decides, oh, I need another change. Yeah, but you got to remember the teams he was playing on before didn't win at all, right? So I mean that that could fi- that could factor into it, but I don't know. Really, I don't want to think about the negative. So with all that out of the way, we kind of wanted to go over their first the first ten games that we have coming up. Obviously, we have the home opener on Saturday, which I think we should talk about that a little bit more than the other ones. Uh, with the game coming, obviously, we talked about the line A injury that's going to be huge, but. Columbus playing them on Saturday, I think is a really good, it's good for us because I really feel like it's a team that's in a weird spot right now. They're trying to figure out what their identity is. And I mean, their goaltending's okay. You have Corpusalo and Merzlikens. I don't know who they're going to start that game, but no line A. You still got to play against Johnny Gaudreau. Uh, you know, they have guys like Wierenski and Adam Boquist playing on their team, but I think it's a pretty decent setup for a good home opener. I think there's no reason we shouldn't wipe them with with we shouldn't wipe the floor with them. Yeah. It's it's weird with Goudreau. like when you have a a superstar like Johnny Hockey on a new team, you never know what it's going to be like. You know, sometimes you know those superstars from one team go to a new team and things just don't work out and then they you know, you're like, oh boy, was somebody on that team really just elevating this guy's play? And then sometimes, you know, a guy, a, a not-so-superstar guy goes to another team that you wouldn't expect him to be any better, and then he just ends up a superstar. Like, you look at uh, William Carlson with Vegas in that uh, first year that he played for Vegas. He led the team in points, and I think he, at for a majority goals. of the season... Yeah, he had 40 goals, and like for a majority of that season... Um, was like leading the league in points. Um, but I forget where he even played prior to that. But you never even really heard of the guy. Oh yeah, there we go. So, um, so but th- what I'm saying basically is with Johnny Hockey, like you never know what's gonna happen when you go to a new team. So like, yeah, he was stellar in Calgary, but what's he gonna be like here in Columbus? Yeah, but the guy puts on a show, and I mean, it, it, you guys are going to see a really good player. If you're going to the game Saturday, keep an eye on number 13. I mean, it's going to be a really good matchup. I'm sure O'Reilly's going to see a lot of them. That's going to be his duty, 
is going to be the, you know, that first line is going to be seeing, or their first line is going to be seeing a lot of Ryan O'Reilly that night. Um, but again, it's a questionable team. They're in a weird state where they're looking for an identity. And I think that there's no reason that we shouldn't go and just, you know, have a night against them. I think it's going to be, I think it sets up perfectly for a good opening night for anyone checking out the game. Um, as far as after that, I wanted to go through the next nine. Uh, so they play Saturday. Their next game is not till Wednesday. I feel like the Blues always have this. They play Saturday and then they don't play for another four days. It's just ridiculous how this happens. So they play in Seattle on Wednesday and then they go to Edmonton. Then they go to Winnipeg and then they have Edmonton at home on the 26th. So we have a Wednesday. So we have Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, and then Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. Their first back to back. So they'll have a, a home game against Edmonton and then they'll go to Nashville and play the next night on their first back-to-back. Um, and then they'll play Montreal at home. And then Halloween night, they'll be playing the LA Kings. And then they'll be playing the New York Islanders at home on the third. And then on the seventh, uh, it's that rematch with Boston, the Stanley Cup final from 2019. So that's a nice little preview. Looking at the schedule, I mean, let's kind of talk about this. Seattle, I mean, we're talking probably a W, right? We should. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would definitely think so. Columbus first. That that hopefully is a dub. Seattle should be. And then we face our first, what should be real competition of the season with Edmonton. Yeah, it's a toss-up. And we played them the last, I know when we played them, a couple games went to overtime last year. And McDavid and Dreisaitl, if they're in overtime, it's game over. So don't you go. Don't, yeah, you do. Go to overtime with them. Don't go to overtime. Just get. Can you just be like, I want to go to the shootout, which even then would probably be worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you got to probably. Okay, let's just say it's a close game with Edmonton. It's a toss up. So we're talking two out of three. You're taking at least two out of three. You should. Um, next in Winnipeg. Again, who knows what Winnipeg team shows up? I mean, this is the most bipolar team on earth, especially right now. Um, and then you have Edmonton again at home. So I mean. I, Looking at this, and then, okay, Montreal, L.A., New York Islanders, and Boston. I don't see any reason that the first 10 games they can't go 7-3 and three at least. I'd like to see an 8-2. and two. That'd be huge. I mean, what do you think? What are you thinking with this whole schedule at the first 10? Yeah, I mean, 8-2 and two would be phenomenal. Um, you know, I see our biggest competition, obviously, Edmonton. Nashville is going to be... A hard one. Um, Winnipeg, even though they're, I don't expect them to be anything great this year, it's a division rival. And, um, you know, Shifley and uh, Wheeler always play good against us, and Kyle Connor, too. So, like, that that's not going to be the easiest. That's not going to be a for sure win there. Uh, but, yeah, you got Montreal and Columbus that, uh, you know, you really should take a win against even... Even uh, Boston, like I almost consider that like a a should win game now. Yeah, and Seattle, obviously another one. I think what's yep. good about the first ten games is they have that like so they play at home on Saturday and then they go out west. So they have a nice little three game road trip. Little good, another good chance for the guys to get bonded. You know, really early, get a good western trip in. If they can come out with with four of six points out of that, that'd be great. I mean, we'll see, but um kind of a good split five and five they have five home games and five road games for the first 10 um now historically the blues have always been really good on the road last year they were really good at home but we'll kind of see where that goes I, again i I'm, i really don't see too many 
problems through the first 10. Uh, I mean, only one back-to-back through the first 10. That's nice. I think Toronto plays two. Don't ask me why I know Toronto's schedule. Um, And then, you know, only playing two divisional opponents, you can say that's good because, you know, of the fact that how good our division is, maybe they don't want to get behind the eight ball. So you have to win those other games. I mean, if you can, you know, take seven to ten, eight to ten, and take a couple of those against, you know, your division rival, get those four-point nights out of the way, that'd be huge. So just getting off to a hot start seems like the key with all this, like we said, with the whole four-point night thing, with everything like that. I don't know how much you agree. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's always good to start on top. Uh, I I don't know if, like, we're one of those teams that, like, really needs to worry about that. I think we're going to be solid no matter what. But, um, you know, there's, there's other teams where, like, you look at them and you're like, ah, you know, I, they're a bridge playoff team and, you know, they really need to get to a hot start. Like, obviously, hot start's... The, the best thing to do, the good thing to do, but um, yeah, I mean, it, we'll see how it plays out. The next thing I wanted to go over was the divisional matchup, so they're a little bit uneven. So Colorado, obviously the number one you know threat to the St. Louis Blues this year. Four matchups with them, which we were one and two against them last year, so that was our worst record against any division opponent. So four matchups with Colorado, four with Minnesota, who we did not lose to in the season last year, three and zero. Chicago, who we were three zero and one. Don't know how we lost to Chicago, but we have four with them. We have four with Winnipeg, uh, who we were one two and one against. So we, you know, we got three points out of them. That, that's what I said about uh, playing Winnipeg earlier. Is like, yeah, they're they're not like that great of a team this year in my opinion but they always give us trouble it's like every divisional opponent i mean even chicago i'm sure is going to give us trouble at some point i mean i could uh, see arizona state desert dogs are probably going to give us a little trouble somehow <laughs> we lost to them last year how did we lose to arizona but we, we better not this year so we were three and one against them last year so we have three with them uh how if we lose our first game in in arizona state's freaking arena i'm gonna be pissed I will jump off the arch. <laughs> I will be done. Uh, 636 feet. No parachute. Uh, Nashville, we have three matchups with Nashville, who were 3-0-1 against last year, and then Dallas, who we were 3-1, which Dallas seems to always give us issues as well. And Dallas is one of those teams that you were talking about, like a fringe playoff team. Tough. We'll see how that goes, but we'll have three. Um, and on, two of those matchups with Dallas are back-to-backs. Or, or is a back-to-back that we end the season with at the end of the year. Those are our last two games. So we'll see how that goes. I would hate for it to be like – or actually, it would be kind of cool, but if we're going to lose – if we're you know lose a playoff spot, if we're tied with Dallas or something like that, that would be – I don't know if my heart can handle that. I might go into cardiac arrest on those last two days. That might be nuts. Um, a couple notable matchups. So not only our divisional opponents, uh, we got a few on here that are kind of important – uh, first meeting with Colorado uh, will be on the 14th of November, so we'll see the Stanley Cup champions um, on the 14th of November. Uh, my birthday, two days after Christmas, we will be playing Toronto at home, so I might go treat myself for a little birthday thing. We might have to make that a little talking Blue Notes night and head on to the game. Oh, yeah, that's my dad's birthday, too. Two oh, days so after Christmas. Both the 27th. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Maybe we'll invite your dad. We'll do like a little joint birthday party. He's never been to a Blues game. Let's take him. I'm in for this. Uh, first home meeting with Chicago is going to be on the 29th, so two days later after that. 
that should be an absolute shit kicking. So that should be nice. Uh, Tampa is going to be in town on the 14th of January. So you get to see the previous two before Colorado Stanley Cup champions come into town. Uh, if you really want to watch the, and the reason I'm getting given like these other teams is because like, if you want to go watch a game, you want to see some of the best talent in the league, go watch these guys. Uh, cause Toronto, I mean, as much as I love to hate, watch these guys, it's a great roster. I mean, they're not built to win, but they're fun to watch. So go watch them. Uh, t- so Tampa's going to be here on the 14th of January. Our first road game in Arizona, which is going to be at ASU, is going to be on the 26th of January. So mark your calendars. If you're taking a trip down there, go to the game and let us know how it is because I'm ne- you ain't going to catch me down there. Get your tickets now, too, because they <laughs> will be hard to get. There's not I'm many of them. They're probably, I pre- they, they could probably, well, I don't know if they probably, didn't sell out every game, but I mean, 5,000 seats. Like what's, what's sta- I guess standing room 5,100. Like how many people can really fit in a college stadium? I don't know, but they'll be playing there on one twenty six. A big one is Matthew Kachuk is going to be returning home uh, with the Florida Panthers on Valentine's day. So hopefully we can kind of ruin that for him. Uh, but coming back to his hometown will be kind of cool. Um, I didn't put Brady on here. I don't know why I disrespect him like that, but Ottawa will be here at some point. I just didn't write that down. So um, some key notable matchups. I mean, we don't have to see Colorado until a month into the season. So hopefully by then it's a, you know, we've got, we've gotten out to a hot, a hot start. Exciting. You know, they're not divisional games, but uh, they're exciting games. Yep. All right. So let's do our expectations slash predictions for the year. Um, I got a few questions that I have on here that I want to ask you and see what you think. So, obviously, with last year, 109-point finish, what's the over-under on points? Are we over 100 again, or are we taking a step back? So, in all reality, I think this team, regular season-wise, may not be quite as good as last year's regular season team. But the regular season doesn't really matter as long as you make playoffs. It all matters in the postseason. And, you know, we still got the deadline ahead of us, you know, all year to make a trade or anything. If we even need to, you know, some of our guys like, okay, so you look at a guy like Braden Shen. Braden Shen had broken ribs all last year. He only played 60 some odd games and he still still scored like 27 goals. So for a guy like Braden Shen, I'm expecting a big turnaround year out of him. Uh, a guy like Ryan O'Reilly, like he didn't have the best season. Like I've said three times, I think this podcast, he didn't have the best season last year. I'm expecting him to turn things around. So like, yes, this team on paper may not be quite as good as we were last year, but there's a couple guys that are going to come around and, and, you know, show up Jake neighbors. What the hell is he going to do this season? Maybe he just turns the fireworks on, uh, it all, it all, we're going to make the playoffs. There's, there's no doubt in that. It all comes down to what's going to happen in the playoffs. Um, so with Braden Shin, hopefully not playing injured this year, Ryan O'Reilly maybe gets back in the stride of things. Uh, Tarasenko really fighting for his, uh, you know, last fight before signing his next and probably last big giant contract. Uh, he's really going to have something to prove out there. Uh, you know, I think I'm excited. I think this is a good spot for us to be in this year. So you're going 
You're going over or under 100? Yeah, I'm going over 100. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> got a little got off topic there. I'll agree with you. Over 100. I don't know if 109, <laughs> maybe somewhere right around there. Um, as far as the PK and power play goes, you know, we talked about that 111% index, uh, the 27% on the power play. Where do you think they end up on this? Are we higher and lower on each category? What do we think about that? Um, so power play is a tough spot. Uh, we, we kind of were talking about this, uh, privately about how this power play is going to look this year. Um, it would probably take quite a bit of searching to go back and find that in our text thread. But, um, with David Perron no longer with us, who was a huge part of our power play last year, him and O'Reilly, the chemistry that they had. I think that's going to hurt the power play a little bit. Like to to be number two in the league, and like I said earlier, number one for most of the year last year. That's almost like a unrealistic expectation, if you ask me. Top ten is realistic; it's doable, and that should be something that we should easily do this year. So, as long as we're a top ten power play team, I'm fine with that. Um, Penalty kill this year, uh, that's that's a little different. I know David Perron did some penalty killing, but he wasn't like a substantial, like crazy key piece in the penalty killing. You got Ryan O'Reilly, who's like your big guy for that. Um, a guy that Bozak. like you're missing Bozak. Yeah, in the that, that that is a really good point. Who, by the way, I still think doesn't have a team in the NHL this year. So crazy. Um, you do have, um, a new addition in Achari and I know Achari did some penalty killing with, uh, Boston. So, and I, he was with Florida last year, right? Yeah. So I don't, I don't really, rem- I don't, I didn't pay attention to Nola Achari last year. Sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry, but I know when he was in Boston, he was doing some penalty killing. So like that could be a little bit of a bonus, but, um, yeah, I, I I don't really know my thoughts on the penalty kill yet this year. I'm gonna I'll I'll throw this out there. I think they're top five in power play. I think they'll be fine. I think I mean missing Perron's a that's a really good point. I mean they're gonna miss him on the power play for sure. But you bring in a guy like Kyru maybe to take his spot, and like you said, he's got something to prove. That'd be nice. They're basically running it back with the same roster. I mean, so I don't see why they can't finish top five. Penalty kill, they should be fine. I don't know if they can do 111% again. That's going to be really tough. I think there's no reason they can't be top five in all five, like all three categories. So top five penalty kill, top five power play, top five index for both. And and back one more thing on the power play, like you know, with Perron gone, like it, it, we have goal scoring depth. Like yes, like I said earlier, we don't have that. 40 plus goal score, but we have the depth to score some goals. So well, we have, we have not- a 40 goal scorer. He just doesn't do it. <laughs> yeah. We, we might have more than one 40 goal scorer, but we'll see. But we have nine guys last year, eight of them still on the team that scored 20 goals. So throw any one of those guys on the power play, any one of those eight, and you know, you have a chance at scoring a goal. Yeah. I think we could agree. I think top five for each of them is pretty, pretty doable. I think they could do better. I mean, they could always do worse. I, sincerely don't think so with the same roster construction if they play the same way and also it comes down to goaltending a little bit with the power or with the penalty kill too i mean you got to get good goaltending he's got to be your best penalty killer um key players 
Who's your who's the guy that has to have a good season? If you have to pick one guy who has to drive the bus for the Blues to succeed, who are you taking? Jordan Bennington. Okay. All right. I did not think you were going to go goaltending. I like that. So, so to me, he is the biggest question mark on this team to our success. He was he was the best goalie in the NHL when he made his debut in 2019 all the way till he won that Stanley Cup. The best goalie, no argument against it. Um he should have won the Vezina this year or that not this year, that year. Uh, that that bullshit excuse of he didn't have enough games played. Okay, well, if you're going to say he didn't have enough games played, uh, also for the Calder, uh, if you're going to say he didn't have enough games played that year to win the Vezina or the Calder, then he should have definitely been up con- for consideration the following year for the Calder. Like, that, that's, that's one of the most unfair arguments that I've ever seen in the Calder voting. Now, after that year, he... Surely fell apart, and uh, last year, especially like you know, at the beginning of the season, he really had a rough time. Um, definitely turned it around at the end of the year and going into playoffs. I just don't know what version of Jordan Bennington we're gonna get. Um, and I, I think you know, goaltending is involved all the time. And he really needs to make something happen this year. He really needs to get back to 2019 Jordan Bennington. I like that. I like it a lot. I'm going with Tarasenko. I think, and I kind of brought it up. This is a 40-goal scorer. He can do it. He just has to do it. And he hasn't gotten there yet. Like he, I remember at one point I was thinking that Tarasenko was going to be the next best goal scorer in the league. I think after like the 14-15 season where he had 39, it was just incredible. And then obviously had the health problems, but with him having a full off season where he's healthy, he can train, you know, he can do, you know, he's going to be perfectly fine. And he's playing in a contract year as scary as it is. I think he goes off. I think if, if he's driving the bus and leading the way, there's no reason he can't get 40, 45. And there's no reason that he can't. And he's a, as much as you want to think, like he puts asses in seats and he's an electrifying player when he's going, when he's going, Everyone else can go. They can feed off that energy. So as much as I want to agree with goaltending, I think we have to get good play out of him. It just has to happen. Go back to vintage Tarasenko. Drop that shoulder. Get around. You're strong. You're probably the strongest guy on the team. Do you remember back when, um, like, you're talking around that 14-15 year when we had Ryan Reeves and Roman Polak on the team that were our two juggernauts, the strong guys on the team? Vladimir Tarasenko came into camp, I think, I think it was that 14-15 year came into camp that year. They were doing benching. Tarasenko whooped everybody in bench press. Yeah, I think I don't know if this is 100% accurate, but I heard that he was benching like I think it was 275 or 250 and he did yeah. it like uh, like a bunch of times where he was just like he just he pushed it out and then he just hung the bar up and he's like, "Okay, I tired now." Yeah. He just did it like <laughs> his minimal English speaking days too. <laughs> And I could guarantee you he's probably squats he could probably squat a Toyota Celica. Like the guy's legs are huge. And Yeah, and just just get back to vintage Tarasenko. Be strong. You can get around these guys. Drop that shoulder down, get around them. Your shoulder ain't fucked up anymore. Don't be worried about it. You gotta actually play hockey. Get around them and get in front of the net. Like, dude, your best shots are from about fifteen feet out, that lower part of the circle. You can flip that wrister 
anywhere you want in the net, up high, down low, uh, above the pad, you know, blocker side, uh, glove side, five hole even. Like, dude, you can, you can, from 15 feet out in that lower circle, I've seen you score goals everywhere in the net. Get back to vintage Tarasenko. And, and he did it last year. The guy who can score from anywhere if he really yeah. wants to. He could score from anywhere that he wants to. And I, I agree, like, just get back to, like, that power forward type of move. He's not a power forward. He's a, he's obviously, a, like, a sniper, goal scorer type of guy. But he has power forward mentalities where he'll go to the net and he'll do anything. He's just a scorer. He'll score from anywhere. So if he can get back to that, if he's driving the bus, he's going to be the key piece. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. As much as I want to agree with Bennington, I have to do something different. I can't just take everything that you say. So I'll, uh, I'll go with Tarasenko. Uh, I mean, we don't really have to do te- team keys to success. We already know what they need. They need good goaltending. This is a di- The only thing that concerns me is this defensive core is a little bit different than like it has been in the past. You know, we were saying we're completely gone with Gunnarsson, you know, no Petrangelo, no stuff like that. We know that's been two years almost, but it's not like, don't have like the big tall skyscraper guys anymore. That's not really what it is anymore. Pareko? I mean Pareko and Mikel are decently sized, but they're not like it's not like Edmondson, Bomeister, Petrangelo. The, these aren't like towers that they have to get by. And they're not gonna like I mean, yeah, we'll play physical, but I think now they're more skilled. I mean, Justin Falk is a thick guy, not a big guy, but he's yeah. not gonna throw the body. Like we're not it's just a little bit different makeup. It's probably the most skilled defense that we've had like as far as like goal scoring and stuff like that but not as much physical as it has been in, in years past that's one thing that does kind of scare me i don't really have any worries about the defense our defense was fine last year it's it's almost the exact same defense that we had last year so especially in that top four like that's that's a solid top four you know maybe minus scandela if you want to consider him top four but um no <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i mean the, the, i i i don't have any worries about the defense i think i don't think they're the best defense in the league but um they're they're solid they're gonna get the job done they don't make a ton of mistakes it's we're we're com- i'm comfortable in that department now as far as that goes let's get a little bit more positive what's the who's the player you're most looking forward to this season to watch as far as like excitement entertainment you know all that. Who are you looking at? Oh, uh, I wasn't prepared for this question. Um, I'll tell you, I'm looking forward to Robert Thomas. Robert Thomas is going to score 90 points this year. It's his break. I mean, last year was a breakout year. You could say that, but this year I think he's going to do just as many good things as he did last year. As as you say that, like yes, he he's my favorite player. Um, and my my initial thought was between him and uh, probably Jordan Cairo. Like, I think last year that dude, him up to the All-Star game was incredible to watch. Like, so much excitement. Then going to the All-Star game, winning that fastest skater, like, you know, proving everybody wrong. Like, oh, and, you know, introducing everybody to the world. Who's this guy? Who's this Jordan Cairo kid beating McDavid, the fa- who everybody thinks is the fastest skater in the NHL? No, it's Jordan Cairo right now. Um I really hope he can stay gassed up throughout the whole season. Uh, he, you know, he's electric. He has a lot of personality. You see him around with, uh, you know, some of these big internet names like, uh, you know, Young Page Views. Him and him and YP, they're they're like best buds. Did you see this like 
clip like for this trailer of like some movie that YP has coming out and it's got Jordan Carter in it. You know, he's like the outdoors guy. Oh. Was the outdoors guy for Barstool? Yeah, like Jordan Cairo, like he's he's a flashy guy all around. Like he's an entertainer, and you know, speaking of entertainers, there's Jordan Bennington too. Um, but like, yeah, I, I'm expecting like a real exciting year from Jordan Cairo, especially after getting paid this off season, and Robert Thomas too. Um, but I think Jordan Cairo has a little bit more skill than Thomas. I think Thomas is a better player, but that skill. Let's see it this year, and let's let's keep it going all 82 games. I like that. I like that. So let's do our point leader predictions. Who do you think leads the team in points, and how many do you think? And it doesn't have to be exact. We're not taking exact numbers. But what are you thinking? Just like you said, Bobby Tom, 90. Robert yep. Thomas. 90 plus? 90 plus. I think, I think we talked about it on one of our episodes. I think him getting a point per game is conservative. I think yes. there's no reason that he can't get – at least, I'd say on the low end, barring any injuries or anything like that, 85 is my low point. I'll say 85 points. Marisenko and Buchnevich, uh on you know your standard five on five, and then you know him on the power play. And okay, so we'll we'll talk about this real quick. Uh, we had this little debate in our in our text chain. I I think he's our PP one center. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, you, so I thought if you, if you don't do that. And I think I, I don't I can't remember exactly what I texted you. So okay, so I'll kind of wrap this up. Like, I think your argument, and I and I totally understand this argument, um, is faceoffs on the power play, that's and huge. that's Ryan O'Reilly. Right, yeah, and and I I agree. You need that. Ryan O'Reilly is by far our best faceoff guy, but Robert Thomas is pretty damn good at faceoffs too. And I think Robert Thomas can get more things done w- with the puck. Uh, and you know, really make things happen on the power play. So that being said, you know, Thomas and uh, Thomas with Tarasenko and Buchnevich on the five on five, and then as I think, PP one center, he's gonna rack up those points, rack up the assists. He might, he may not even have twenty goals this season, but he could easily have like sixty plus assists. Are you putting Cairo on the first power play unit? I did not try to stump you, but I know you're thinking about this hard right now. <laughs> I think so, dude, because so who do you take off? Well, it's not a matter of taking off. I, I think, you, you know, you could even put Tarasenko back at the point again. You can have. Yeah, um, and you, are you taking Booch off for him? Or, or, or even put Tarasenko, put, put. Okay, so. If so you, you had could a PP1 have, unit, who's on your PP1? PP1. Okay, let's talk PP1. So. You could have Booch or Tarasenko on the back end. Yeah, Booch is probably the better guy on the back end. Um, and then the other of the two, probably Tarasenko up on uh, right, uh, yeah, right wing, because that's his. That's the side he likes. He could even, and we've seen him starting to do it a little bit more. Is try that one timer shot uh, on the power play. Yeah, dude. Yes, he can. I uh, think he, he can, and he doesn't do it. Like he, he, he doesn't. Won't. There, there's the better word. He won't, but he can, dude. Like, I, I, I really do think he can. Um, so get him on that right side. Get him ready for a one timer, or just you know where he's comfortable to be able to snap that quick wrist shot. Put uh, Kairu over on the left wing side. 
Uh, and then whoever your defenseman is going to be, probably Justin Falk. Uh, and let's let's call it a wrap. That's a good PP one to me. We're differing a little bit. I'd go O'Reilly, Thomas, Tarasenko, Buchnevich, Rube. Okay, so if you don't, if Krug you or Falk, it doesn't I, it doesn't matter. I'd probably go if you, Falk. Actually, nothing. If you do that, I'm assuming you put Shen as center on PP two. Yeah, you probably go Shen, Kairu, and uh, I don't know Sod, I guess, or Barbashev even. We have Barbashev play some power play time. I wouldn't mind seeing. It. He did a little bit last year. I know when people were hurt, he got in. And he was doing all right, but he's a pain in the ass in front of the net. So one why time is your five um, for one? I'd go, I'd go the captain in the middle. I'd go RT on the left, Tarasenko on the right, Buchnevich on the point, and then take your pick, Kruger Falk. Probably Falk. Oh, yeah. one more name that we're not thinking of right now, Jake Neighbors. He'll probably fit in on the PP2. Okay, so, yeah, forget Saad. Saad's more of... I, yeah. No I was going to say, dude, I'm like, is Saad on the on power play? Not not my, not my, a fan of that. We'll have to see. But, yeah, I do like that. Jake Neighbors, you know, playing his off wing. Kyra on the other side. Shin in the middle. And then you do Pareko and whoever doesn't play PP1. You go two defensemen on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This isn't Toronto where we're going to do five forwards, you know. <laughs> But, uh, okay, so points leaders, we got that out of the way. Goal leaders, I mean, I think we know who's going to lead the team in goals, but we just it just depends on how many. I had a really conservative number in here for mine. I had Tarasenko leading the team in goals, but I had 36. It's right around the number he got last year, but I'd like to see a four, that number. Yeah, I mean... So you look back at that 39 goal season and then um, I don't have the stats on hand right now. I'm not even going to bother looking them up, but um, I know I've complained about this in the past before last year. And, and yes, he's had the injuries, but for a couple years after that 39 goal season, he didn't really have like those bigger injuries. His goal production has dropped every single year. Now last year, yes, he was super healthy. Um, and it it wasn't a contract year, but it was like that whole thing of like proving a point, trying to get moved, trying to up his value. Um, you're going to have that again, but I think he gave it 150% last year. Like I think last year, and, and, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope this year is it, but I think last year was Tarasenko's best NHL career year. Oh my God. I hope not. <laughs> I, and and call me buttered. I'm I'm but like I don't have that same faith, the same drive in the guy that I did before he requested the trade. And and uh, and this all goes to me looking at his, you know, numbers after that 39 goal year. As soon as that trade happened, and trying to decide like how I felt about the guy. I get where you're coming from, and like I, and for once, I'm going to be the positive voice here. He has a, like I said before, he has a full training, a full off season where he can train and not being hurt. I mean, this has got to be the first time he hasn't been hurt in four, three, four years, something like that. Yeah, since the shoulder problem. So, I mean, I hope, I really hope that you're wrong, but I can see where you're coming from. There's no, I don't really have any evidence to refute that. I just hope that. He he does more. I want to see a forty goal season out of him. I don't know. Right behind him, I got Kyrou though, thirty plus. I mean, he should be a thirty goal guy. 
Yeah, and he easily could. Like I said, let's keep up. Let's keep up the hard work for eighty-two games. Let's not get to the All-Star game. You know, what? I honestly do hope he doesn't make the All-Star game this year. I wish the All-Star game was not a thing. Sick of it. Do the skills competition, and that's it. Yeah, man. I don't know. Like I, there's a certain feeling that you get about like all of the best players like just same to me with the olympics i'll always like some people are like no i don't want the olympics because it ruins the nhl season no there's a uh, certain no you can't have those people in your life that's no they suck dude there's a certain thing about having all of the best players in the world together in one place like it's it's the coolest thing ever like so the all-star game yeah nobody takes it seriously and and they need to figure out a way why the hell what what was it that it used to be to where the all-star game mattered like uh in some leagues it's like oh you get home advantage you know that their conference wins do what baseball i know baseball still does that. yeah baseball give it get it back to where it matters somehow get these players playing if their team wins give them like Give each player like a million bucks. Tesla. Yeah, put a lot of cash on the line because I, I mean, come on, they're as much money as they make. They they can never get enough of it. They can they can always play for more. I, yeah, I just don't see why they wouldn't just up because I think right now they get like thirty grand a piece. What's thirty grand? They wipe their ass with that. What's right. I mean, I don't um, know. yeah, but, and so just just why why do we even get all oh, because Cairo. Make make the All Star Game great again. There we go. I said it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I honestly hope Cairo doesn't make the All Star Game this year. Let's let's keep him in the shadows like he was, you know, before that All Star Game, and hopefully he doesn't get tuckered out and you know get double teamed. You think Booch can have another 30, 30 goal year or no? Yes, yes. Playing on that line, playing on that Thomas. Tarasenko and Boochline? Yes. I agree. I had 28, but I think that's that's again conservative. Like I'll just No, I'll I, th- I give him as many goals as he had last year. I don't remember what it was, but yeah. Yeah. All right. So, with that all said, I think we both in our prediction show uh this week picked the Blues to finish second in the division. Um Sounds sounds accurate. And do you think the last question I have, like before we, you know, get to a couple other things and we'll get out of here, is the team built good enough this year to make another deep run? Can they do it? I mean, do they have the muscle, the power, the firepower to go up against? They're going to run into Colorado. They're going to run into Nashville, or one of those teams that has you know a decent amount of firepower. More more so Colorado than anything. But can they do it? Do you think they have a chance this year, or are we thinking just a? Are they a contender for the cup, or are they a playoff team? Is what I'm trying to ask. So, so it it, it goes back to you know your coaches saying that um, back when you were like a tot uh, playing in your junior sports, what they would always tell you if you got stuck playing boring defense in damn near any sport. Offense scores points or wins goals or scores goals, whatever the saying is per the sport. Defense wins championships. Our offense production, like I said, with Perron leaving, I think is going to be hurt a little bit this year. It's going to be a little bit worse. But I think 
defensively as the forwards and our and our group of six defenders in the back, how this team plays defensively is good enough along with that offense production, which is still really good. It's just a slight hair lower than what it was last year. I think is good enough to make that run this year. I think we're definitely a cup contender. I think the window is that wide, Joe. It's about that wide. I'm holding my fingers up about probably six inches wide. Um, I don't know. I I don't want to be again. I'm trying to be positive as I, as positive as I can, but I think they're a playoff team. I think they're a first second round contender. It's just going to be how they can. If they can really, it just it, we're gonna have to see it to believe it. I don't know. I don't know if they're built to win anymore. It might have to be some changes made, but I'm I'm calling them a playoff team. I just don't know if they have what it takes to go deep. And it, I got really, my it, Colorado round two rematch. Let's bring it back. Let's keep our goalie safe. No more Kadri to run them out. And and we can do it, dude. We 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 probably weren't gonna do it last year, but like a, a couple little, you know, watch tape. You'll go over. You'll you'll see what these guys are doing. You'll see all their setup on the power play. You because that that was one of the big killers against us in those six games was their power play it was just so good. Um, figure you have all year to figure out Colorado. That that's our biggest threat. That was our only real threat last year. Well. We were their only real threat last year. Let, we we can take them. Nashville, Minnesota. We we already knew how to deal with them before. We can do it again. I I don't see why not. I hope you're right. Well, let's go, Joe. Let's get out of here again. Thank you, everybody, for listening. It's been a great. I guess it's really hasn't been. Oh, go ahead. You got one more thing. One more thing. We got our weekly shoutouts. Ooh, okay. Yeah. I did not come prepared, but I I I do know I do know one that I can have. But go ahead. And I got one that I had prepared, so if you need a little bit of time to think, you can think about it while I'm going over this. All right. My weekly shout-out this week. Uh, we're going on the football side of things. Washington Commanders rookie running back Brian Robinson was shot in the ass and in the leg in late August. But he came back to play in uh, this past week's game. And, dude, get this. When he came onto the field for the first time that game, guess what his, uh, I guess you could say cent? intro song was. 50 Cent Many Men, dude. Oh, that's great. Legendary. You got shot in the ass. Like, dude, and, like, it wasn't just a graze either. Like, he actually, like, had to have surgery and shit. Like, you got shot in the ass and in the leg. You're running back in the NFL, and you're playing, like, what, like, six weeks later? It's incredible. Shout out to Brian Robinson. I don't know what he looks like. I don't know his number. I don't know anything else about him. The guy that got shot in the ass in the leg and came and played in the NFL. Shout out to him. I love that. And I have my shout out planned. It's I'm staying on the football side, but I'm going to be a little bit different with it. Shout out to Tom Brady. What a fucking G. I mean, dude, we're talking about a guy that is divorcing a supermodel because he wants to play football. This is a guy's guy. This is a football guy. He's just like, you know what, Giselle? File up the papers. I'll kiss my kids on the mouth away from you. Okay? Like, I, I mean, what a, what a fucking G. Like, he's just like, okay, for one, he retires, 
And then he's like, well, now I'm going to go work for Fox. And his wife was probably like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Like, I thought we were going to hang out and you know, I thought we were going to like, you know, chill. We're going to do whatever. No, never mind. I want to go play football again. And he, or maybe he retired and then he spent two days with Giselle and was just like, nope, I'm going to go back and play. I'm going back to Tampa. That whole weird thing before the season started to like where he's got to go chase her down on vacation. And it's probably just yeah. one of those marriages where he's just staying together for the kids. And she makes more money than he does. I mean, Dude, again, crazy throwing a bag away, like, and just saying, like, nope, it's football time. And I don't think either win- of them are going to be hurting in that department. Watch he'll go win a Super Bowl. He might get alimony. Like, no shit. Like, he might, he might be like, well, you make more money than I do, and I got to keep this lifestyle up. Baby, you got to <laughs> give me a bag. Like, that'd be something else. That would be something else. You're right about that. Yeah. So that's my weekly shout out. So shout out, Tom Brady. Forty-five year old single Tom Brady is going to be prowling. He is a weirdo, though. He's an absolute dude. His face hasn't looked the same from year to year for the past like six years. I will say he looks a little disheveled since going through all this stuff. If you've watched interviews with him, he looks beaten. So I mean, as much as I you know want to make jokes about it and stuff like that, I hope he's all right. But I think he'll be fine. He's got you know he's got his six Super Bowl rings or seven. Six or seven, something like that. I don't know. Uh, Too many. I lose, I lose count. All right, man. But let's get out of here. Again, we do want to thank everyone for listening. Um, and the season is starting this weekend, and we will have another show next week. We'll review the games. We'll do all that. And uh, we promise they'll be shorter a lot this time because these are all our previews. Had to get all the details in there. Uh, but, again, shout out to you guys for listening. Whoever's been riding with us, we're going to take this thing all the way to the moon. And uh, hopefully everyone has a good rest of their weekend. Enjoy the home opener. If you can, get down there. They're having an all-day thing, I think, down at Ballpark Village, like starting at like 2 or 3 o'clock. Icebreaker. Yeah, the icebreaker. You know, cringe. Jesus Christ. Uh, all right, one more thing before we go. Um, feedback. It's really important, guys. Uh, we, we will take any feedback, good or bad. Like, we just want to know how we're doing. Uh, what we can do to improve the show. Yes, we, we know, like, shorter episodes, some people. But guess what? That might not happen. We, we just got a lot of talking to do. But really, I, I, and I've said this before, I, I think after these previews, we had a lot to go over. I think they will start, honestly, getting shorter. We're going to get back. We're really going to have an identity when this season starts Monday night with a Tuesday morning release is going to be our like flagship. That's our, that's our every week main podcast. And then, yeah, so you might get a little bonus here there on top of that. Um, hit us up on our socials. Uh, I'll, I'll say my Instagram real quick, J underscore Trav 42. Uh, and, uh, talking underscore blue underscore notes is the podcast Instagram. Follow us on there. We're going to, we're going to be putting out uh, some content. There may even be a little surprise action there uh, Saturday during or after the Blues game. We kind of talked about that before. We never really got the the full for sure. But Zach's shaking his head now. He wants to do it. We may we may put a little post out there uh, during the game, have a little fun. Yeah, what maybe, saying, a little, like, maybe a little hangout session during the game. and Intermission know, something or something? Like yeah, yeah, we'll do something. I think we're gonna we're gonna have something for it. We're gonna have we'll have something cooking for everyone on Saturday night. That's for sure. 
It's going to be nice because I think we both talked about it. we want to get the we want to like here we go again rant, ranting at the end. Um, we we want to like take the first game in like not go out and watch it. We want to like sit at home and like you know take it all in and everything like that. As much as I'd love to be at the game, I'd much rather just watch the home opener at home and you know just kind of take it all in and you know can we do a really and this is terrible. I'm sorry. I'm extending the podcast. Can we do a really quick uh, all in or dump it change? I got oh, dump change. Yeah. I want to get out there. I'm all, all in right. for this. Go ahead. Dump and change. All right, my dump and change. If you've done it once, then I'm dumping and changing, going to the home opener, dude. Dumping and changing it. Why? Oh, my God. Dude, okay. So this is kind of what we talked about earlier. I've, I've been to a couple home openers, and they're awesome. Do it once, and it's great. But, man, I really enjoy... Hearing John Kelly and Darren Pang talk, man, like the, the the information they get, they have so many sources of information, so many stat guys, so many just they they get to talk to the players and shit like that. So like they get so much information and they they they're yanking at the chain to be able to spill it all in that first game of the regular season and they they just spit so much information out and if you're at the game and you're you know you're live you don't have any announcers really telling you anything so you miss out on all that and then see yeah yeah you'll get some small tidbits throughout the regular season from Darren Pang and John Kelly but like you're not going to that first game you get so much stuff and it's awesome to just chill and l- really listen with volume like not go to a bar not be with a I'll, I'll watch it with a couple friends, but not be with a group of like ten friends where they're all talking. I want to hear what John Kelly and Darren Pang have to tell me. Darren Pang is a St. Louis treasure, one of my favorite people. He's if I can pick any three people in the world to play a foursome of golf with, Darren Pang is definitely in that mix. Uh, and yeah, I want to hear what they got to say. Oh my God, he went on a rant. I love that dude. Yeah, so dumping and changing the home opener. I never. It's a controversial take. I kind of figured it would be like the whole pageantry of it all, because man, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go on the same kind of on the same route with I'm gonna dump and change something. I'm gonna dump and change these stupid intros, like for the like for the home openers that I'm watching every game. The game starts at six, like we're scheduled for six o'clock. Yesterday, Montreal trots out every healthy scratch, every Canadian that's ever played there. They have Carey Price out there who's not playing this year, and you're the game didn't start till like six forty five. I'm done with that. No more of the pageantry. Yesterday, Toronto. Oh, okay. I was gonna say. I, for some reason, I was thinking that was the who did uh, who did Colorado play yesterday? Chicago. That's what it was. Okay. I'm like, because I'm like, okay. Last they were a terrible. I remember Colorado was playing a terrible team, and I'm like, oh, that's their you know cup banner game. I'm glad they're playing a terrible team because they're just gonna shit kick them. Uh, they did. But yeah, yeah. We won't get too much into that, but we're kind of dumping changing on home openers. Now I'm going to do one more bonus dump and change, which kind of ties into that. That did you watch any of the games yesterday at all? A little bit, not much. When when they're dropping the puck, the referees announce to like the entire stadium. They're like, "Welcome to the 2022 season, everyone." Have and I'm like, "Oh my god, like that's so cringy." Just like as they're actually like dropping the like actual okay. game like, puck, like Taves and McKinnon are in the uh, they're like in the circle, right? And he like he's basically like you know they blow the whistle. He has the puck in his hand and he goes, 
Welcome, gentlemen, to the 2022-23 season. Everyone have a great time, and let's get it on, or something like that. And I'm like, and, oh, and starts immediately there. Yeah, it's just. Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, it was. It made me like. Um, it's like when you get like, I, I don't know. It's like when you know when those videos when babies are eating lemons. That's like. Uh, like yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't get rid of that. Like, I just can't unsee and unhear that. It's just absolutely disgusting. I don't like it. Oh man, cringe content's okay, but not in the sport that I like live and die for. Please don't do that. Dump and change that, please. All right, so let's get out of here again. The socials: J underscore Trav forty two minus Z A C K D E G R A N D E. My first and last name, and then our podcast page, which is talking with no G underscore blue underscore notes and that is uh, our socials pages again i think we'll have something cooked for saturday everyone stay tuned stay with us keep riding thank you to everybody give us feedback give us a rating even if it's one star or five i don't care tell us whatever you think and we can take that um and make the show better so um again thank you to everybody for listening and we will see you guys next week or possibly saturday night whoever cho- whoever shows up so uh everyone have a good weekend and we'll talk to you next week of an episode, buddy. Peace.